Well, what do you think? Shall we get started then? Or, yeah. I figure people will trickle in as, they, as they're able to. Just have a lot of projects to go over, basically, right? Potential projects, too. to the September 6th edition of MMTC monthly meeting, starting with our five o'clock study session as always. Our agenda topic for today is gonna be going over the capital improvement plan for the next five years and basically just reviewing transportation projects is kind of getting a preview of what's to come over the next five years. Um, and I have a feeling we'll probably focus a bit more on stuff that's like planned for engineering or construction the next year, right? Yep. Just set up priority. So, David, I think you're just going to walk us through the various highlighted lines in the agenda, right? I am. Okay. I will go over the quick housekeeping rules to take care of that for tonight. So, um, for this hybrid meeting, so this meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The chat function for this meeting is disabled. All chats will uh, go directly to staff. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the meeting uh, participants to be seen on the screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send us a chat. Uh, and the city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual video videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. So with that, we'll uh, get started with the study session and I'll uh, kind of go through up here, what we have uh, coming up. So every um, year, the, well, the last couple years, we've uh, had a discussion on upcoming projects that are uh, in the capital improvement plan to help uh, bring awareness of projects that are coming up and and uh, that are on the horizon. And so, uh, just a reminder on the process every year we go through uh, capital improvement planning process where uh, it starts uh, early in the spring in February or March um, staff submits projects uh, there's a, a call for projects uh, out to the public where public the pub members of the public can submit projects um, to include um, all of those projects that are submitted um, are scored um, through the city's CIP 
prioritization guidelines. So there's a link to that um, on the memo. Um, I probably need to share my screen here, huh? Top right, there you go. No, you, you get it. Yep. Yeah, so uh, we have a, a prioritization uh, plan that helps uh, take all of the projects and basically establish a score for them to help kind of sort through and rank the projects. Um, so just a quick overview of some of the things that are uh, included in that is the alignment with the strategic plan, regulatory compliance, sound fiscal stewardship, efficient and effective processes, equity and inclusion, environmental sustainability, engaged empowered teams, community engagement, and asset management, and external funding. So you'll notice a lot of these um, uh, commitments are in our strategic plan that are part of the scoring. Um, and uh, below, there's the criteria on how they're scored. Um, so anyway, we follow this uh, policy on scoring the projects to basically take all of the projects, score them, um, and then they're kind of, then we sort through uh, by different funding sources and uh, ultimately make a recommendation to the city commission on the, on the five-year plan. Um, let me see if I can just get back here. So this, uh, I would tell you from year to year projects, uh, move from the unfunded list to the funded list or from the funded list to the unfunded. So it is kind of dynamic in the way that it will change from year to year. Um, you know, really at this point we're looking when it gets approved that the projects are funded in 2024, those are moving forward. Um, some projects are funded over multiple years. So typically when we start a project, if it's funded over multiple years, we continue on uh, with that project. So a lot of our projects we start by doing design in the first year or the first two years and then moving on into, into construction. So, um, Dave, I have a, a, just a quick question on, mm -hmm. um, are there any projects on from 2023 that, that aren't going to be done and got pushed to 24 and would they be rec represented on this list or is that, and maybe that's irrelevant, maybe there aren't any like that. Um, there are, Pro there are projects that were funded in 23 that will roll over to 24 or that will continue on into 24. Okay, I was just so there's some pro Sixth Street um, shared use path. I thought that one of those was supposed to one segment was supposed to be done this year. Yes. Okay. Yep. So it's it um, uh, the plans are done for the shared use path project. So it's being we just bid it will be encumbered by the end of the year. So the key uh, which especially for general fund cash funded projects is to get it encumbered by the end of the year we've for various reasons we've had some delays on different projects um, we've also been um, trying to do more coordination with projects like on the west 6th street project that um, is in our street maintenance plan for this year that um, we just bid out we're also replacing the water line it started we've had numerous bricks on that so we kind of tied that in and it's kind of delayed the start of that, but yeah, there there will be projects that may not show up um, on the um, five-year plan 
that uh, are not complete yet. Okay, great. That's a great question. So I think that's a, a little bit of the background. Um, what I uh, tried to do uh, is um, highlight the transportation-related projects that are um, in the in the five-year plan. So I would say um, last night the city commission took action and approved a resolution to approve uh, the 2024 operating budget and this 2024-28 uh, capital improvement plan. Um, so as I mentioned, the planning process uh, starts early in the year, around March. You know, it goes uh, throughout the summer. There's a lot of uh, opportunity for public comment, and um, that occurs through multiple meetings. Um, the the link to the agenda item last night um, has a, has a lot of information attached to it at the bottom of all of the history of the of the different meetings and processes uh, for both the budget and the uh, CIP. Um, so the, just to clarify, the the CIP's already been approved, right? This, the 2428 CIP was approved last night okay. by resolution, yeah. And they didn't have a recommendation from the MMTC, correct? Correct. Okay. Because we didn't do anything on it in the July. Or August. Or August, okay. Yeah, yeah. and it's, um, Getting a recommendation is not part of the process for approving the CIP, um, but so timing-wise, we uh, we did have it on the agenda last month. Um, didn't get to it, but it's not wasn't critical to get input, you know, for the city commission to approve. I think it's only but the planning commission does have to do some kind of approval, right? They do. Okay. Yep. They uh, planning commission approves basically that the projects are the funded projects are in alignment with the comprehensive plan. Right. Yeah. So not not into the details of the funding and the and the project itself, but just that the overall projects in compliance with it. You know, just out of curiosity, that, that kind of made me think. So having having to have a comp plan in general is probably part of just having to receive state or federal dollars, right? Like you kind of have to have one which means that there's probably some check to make sure that the projects you do are in accordance to the comp plan. But we have a transportation comprehensive plan as well, which I, I believe is required by MPO and whoever, I guess, mm -hmm. federal DOT. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, obviously, there isn't any check on, you know, does the capital improvement plan conform to that master plan as well? I'm just, I guess I'm kind of curious why that wouldn't be the case if there is a federal body that oversees the planning process. <clears throat> That's probably a Jessica question, but yeah. Well, projects um, that are regionally significant are required to be in the um, we'll call the TIP, the MPO TIP Transportation Improvement Program. Okay. And that those are approved. Goes out for public comment. Those are approved um, by the MPO Policy Board. Okay. So in a way, it kind of does happen. Just it a little does. more specifically. Yeah. I like as a blanket statement. Okay. That makes sense. Is it that, I mean, I know the, it sounds like the other boards, like Advisory Housing, or the Affordable Housing Advisory Board, and MTC, they don't actually have an input into the CIP. They don't have to improve it or approve it in any way. It's just the Planning Commission? Correct. Okay. Yeah. You know, all, there's always opportunity for input uh, throughout right. the projects. And, and I would say a lot of these projects are projects that uh, were in the CIP last year. It's just, it's a year closer. 
Um, so, you know, I would also say, I mean, when I started here with the city, we didn't have a five-year plan. This really just started five, six years ago, um, and it's grown in the number of projects and the cost, And but it uh, provides, a, provides a good roadmap uh, planning for the future to see what's coming up. So um, projects do bounce around from different years, and they are funded or unfunded, And um, but yeah, that's... Uh, we typically have just brought this as information to the MMTC in the past. Okay, so then if we wanted to talk to the commission about, or to the city commission about it, it should be as our own individual selves. Is that what you recommend? It could well, be possible it, to do it as a group, sorry. Yeah, it could be. I mean, if there's something that, uh, if there was a project you felt was not aligned or uh, with, I'm waiting it's to complicated. <clears throat> so I, I think we've had this discussion sort of in the past, and <clears throat> what I think needs to be recognized is most of the projects that are in here <clears throat> are coming from an existing plan. <clears throat> and so and we could inject something, but the process for the planning is much more robust than how we might inject something. So <clears throat> the transportation plan is updated continuously every five years, and it reflects the community input um, throughout that entire time. And it's much more robust in terms of its ability to capture uh, community input than anything we could probably come up with. <clears throat> Where I think we have a role to play is there's a line item for bike pet improvements, and that is literally there for us to then figure out how to how to best spend that line item and that's the line item uh a24000 am i getting that right yeah oh, you're hovering over now with the cursor yep. <clears throat> and that one is where we get to dig into the kind of the idea of how does it best get spent over the course of you know multiple years and that's another agenda on a, on a different month, but it's routinely brought back to it's us. Tonight. It's tonight. Oh, is it also tonight? Yeah. Well, well, there we go. <laughs> Nicely synced up. Keep going. I, I like that. Um, and so that's where there is space for our, we have a you know, legitimate role in helping to shepherd how that money gets best spent. And we have a prioritization policy that we kind of use to help kind of guide that, but right. it's also been something we've tweaked and played with over the years. Considerably. And then the other um, role I think we certainly could have is in the, whether timing of certain things make any sense from a public's perspective, but generally staff are already scheming up like the timing, like, and they'll tell us like, no, no, that's not going to be a good time because this other street is going to be fixed on this, you know, this other year because our projections indicate it's, you know, going to be deteriorating at a certain level by that year. So that five-year time frame, I don't know that we have a lot of space to influence it, but it, it is a place, I think, that there's maybe some room for public input. And I think our commission gives the opportunity to the public to provide that input, not just us, but also the public. So I think that <clears throat> wording you used was, was kind of instructive in that, you know, the street basically the car-oriented uh, items on the CIP 
do tend to be informed, it, it seems, from a maintenance schedule perspective. Like this pavement is degrading at a rate that we need to replace it in about this year or so. Whereas the bike and pet improvements, at least a lot of them are usually new things. Um, they never existed in the past, right? Like a new pedestrian bridge or a new bike path somewhere. So it does seem a little bit different. And I was sort of internally questioning while you were speaking to where I was still listening, but sure so, <laughs> so as an MMTC, we're the multimodal transportation commission and therefore it makes sense that we would have a lot of input on both the prioritization and sort of the project ranking of bike and ped projects. But those are two modes. There's also cars. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that we aren't public transit because it's a totally different uh, committee for now. And airplanes are definitely outside of our jurisdiction. It's a little too complicated for us. But, um, but in terms of deciding what projects are coming up and how they're ranked and the impetus for their initiation, I don't know how much involvement we do have in that. And I don't know if we can even because of how they're, they come about. So that's probably to MSO to maybe straighten me out and like, are there a lot of brand new projects? It doesn't seem like, I mean, most of the roads are built already, right? So it's mostly like, if we got to repave it, let's do it with some improvements at the same time. Um, I'd say it's a mix. I mean, there's some street reconstruction projects. We added this Mass Street 14th to 23rd Street multimodal improvement. So that's kind of a, we think, you know, we know that that mass needs to be milled and overlaid here in the next few years. And we saw an opportunity to have a conversation about doing a bigger mm -hmm. project. And we have um, a project that's funded this year to extend Bob Billings for growth. That's partially city funded. Is it totally Greenfield Road or is it just improving a county road to make it more appropriate for our, like arterial traffic? It, it's improving county road uh, to city standards. Okay. It's, I guess it still seems like that's not really something we would even have an opportunity to comment on. It's kind of more of at the city level. Like this is where we're going to expand to almost more like planning commission <clears throat> than MTC. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of tossing around the idea of like, if we, if we have such a great scrutiny on bike and ped projects, it seems like maybe car projects should be in there somewhere too. But I, I'm starting to see sort of the technical difficulties of doing that. Like it doesn't always make sense. I don't know. I, I think, you know, my question sort of to back up is though, like what's our relationship with city commission, mm -hmm. right? Like if we're just rubber stamping something, you know, so we're an advisor. So the, the, right. The, yeah. Just to be clear, the city commission's role is to do what we're looking at today. So we're we're really taking their what their decision was. Um, that's that's how it's historically been. I think I think when I have considered like what's the purpose of our body, it's always had three purposes for me, and I'll just throw it out there. We we're supposed to add value to the city commission, to the staff, and to the public. So, and sometimes, when I look, is this this question you're raising? I think the value add is actually more for the public than for the city commission. The city commission did their work. We could obviously respond if we thought it was important. Um, staff, I'm not sure we do a lot of value add by having them throw out like something they already did and presented to the city commission. Right. But the public has definitely found value in having a space where they can bring their concerns around any of these projects. And so that has, there's the, there's the add to the value. So 
Sometimes it's going to be all three get some value out of our purpose. The other times it's just the public. And this one is great because you don't get a lot of time on the agenda at the city commission if you're the public and you want to speak about transportation matters. But here you can show up and you could talk about it. And that might be the beginning of a bigger public dialogue about um, one of these projects that's in here. So I don't know if that helps to think about like our role and how we relate to the commission. But I, I feel like it's important to recognize the role we have with staff and commission and the public as a kind of a, you know, mental model. And how do you add value? Like the work around the neighborhood traffic management really added value to that. And that's all around. I feel like the commission has gotten value from having this space for the seeing what people are doing, thinking, and reacting to. Staff has gotten value out of that, and I think the public. Yeah, so I guess it, you know, if the public comes to us with dialogue around this, so how does that get to the city commission, right? We're hearing it and receiving it. Yeah. But then what happens with it? I think in an ideal world, we would have done this in August, and we would have had the opportunity to, yeah. as a commission, decide if it was if there was any issue important enough to us that we ag agreed enough mm -hmm. to author a letter to the city commission as basically our public comment representing us mm -hmm. um, and we've done those kind of one-off <laughs> opinions in the past like with uh, the revisions to article 9 in the land development code or east 19th street is those kind of come to mind but it's it's fairly rare that that you know that we have some kind of outspoken opinion that that we want to go straight to city commission and I'd say this board provides valuable input on how we implement these projects. So, for instance, you know, we talked about 11th Street, the bike bed facilities on 11th Street earlier this year, or Walker Russo last year, Walker Russo Drive. And so that input's important, and that input um, is factored in by the city commission. Yeah, right. Certainly. So in that sense, this is giving us a preview of our what work is going to come back in front of us when staff is getting their field checks and other things from their process. I, I would echo what Nick said, though. I mean, ideally, this would have been ahead of the city commission discussion or deliberation on it. And if something was brought up, that would inform them before they made their decision last night. I mean, even studying the CIP in detail for MMTC is pretty new. I think last year, we kind of formed an ad hoc committee to kind of discuss like we've never really gone over this in detail let's go through line by line and see like have we heard of this project does it fit with what we think transportation 2040 at the time i guess was trying to do um and it gave us a much better understanding of what's going to come in the next five years so i think it's a it's definitely an evolving process that we're getting through so certainly welcome i guess feedback on how to do it better in the future so dave i don't know oh go ahead I mean, I think what we're what we're talking about. Um, it's not that I, I personally feel like we should have said, "Oh, any of these projects need to be not included yeah. or should be amended in some way," or like that we should have come with a comment. But yeah, I think the the way to do it was to bring this last month, mm -hmm. you know, to hear public input, to you know, respond to it in any way. And if we had something that we wanted to take to the city commission meeting last night that we did it. I think that it's just valuable for future planning. Mm -hmm. yeah. Another thing we haven't done, but it's maybe reasonable. Um, there's a period where the city uh, accepts pr proposals for the CIP mm -hmm. and 
we haven't ever submitted anything as an MMTC. But that would be something that if we were to do that, it would be queued up, evaluated, and um, considered for the CIP. And that just hasn't been our practice, but I Sounds like a good opportunity <clears throat> to retreat if it ever happens again. <laughs> Possibly, I mean, I just feel like we need to, maybe what's less clear is what's the evaluation process, you know? <clears throat> just to make sure if we're gonna throw up anything that it's, it's not just us um, just hoping that something will stick, you know? It's like helpful to know what's it gonna be measured against? Because <clears throat> these are all graded against all kinds of other projects that get proposed for the CIP and um, yeah. there's definitely a benefit to being recognized already in an existing plan, kind of having that vetting process that goes on all the time with the MPO. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, my quick thought response to that is like, we could look at the things that were unfunded this year mm -hmm. and perhaps as a commission, figure out how to maybe recommend one of those in the future if we felt like it was valuable, perhaps. That's not a bad idea. Cause, I mean, one way to get higher status on any project that's unfunded is to figure out, like, how does it score? And mm -hmm. if, for example, it is not inside the transportation plan, that's clearly going to be a demerit. So if right. how does that transportation plan, the next time it's updated, um, perhaps get updated with some great idea that, you know, often though those great ideas, they just keep being, being injected. And even in the transportation plan process, they're considered and rejected. So in some ways it's like, I don't know, I've heard for years the idea of a pedestrian bridge over the river and no idea if it's in the current transportation plan, seeing pictures, I've seen ideas of it. But that would be one if like there's really public support for that, how do we, how do we help to shepherd that into a place where it scores higher, gets acknowledged? I think the Lawrence Loop is maybe an example of that. It was an idea, and over the years it got more and more attention, and now we see the CIP, and it's a fully funded, we're gonna get this Lawrence Loop done. That was last year when it was finally all the way in there, and now it's, I don't know, this is the new year. Is there an out year? Hmm? No, because it's finished in 27. Funded. I still can't quite believe it. <laughs> you guys are I looking think around. There's one segment. There's we'll one get, we'll, yeah, we'll go through the list. Okay. Um, I but think I, those are like those. Are, that's an example, maybe, of how having the community dialogue generated, you know, enough momentum to eventually start to recognize. Oh, it's all in here. These are the pieces, and now it's funded. <clears> and you can see the year. Yeah. One thing I would point out, I don't know, Dave, where are you going next with the presentation? Line by line. Well, I was wanting to know, um, parking is an area that we've sometimes, you know, discussed, and none of the things highlighted here involve the parking improvements, and wondered if, if that's something that we could kind of add into our scope, you know, as we think about transportation matters. Yeah. Where we store vehicles and... Bikes. Yeah, the the projects um, in here are basically maintenance type projects. We're rebuilding parking lots, mm -hmm. um, parks and rec parking lots, um, not building new ones. So the downtown parking lot amenity improvements. Hmm. That's not a. 
Doesn't, that's not relevant. I don't know what that I, means, really. So. I, I'm not. That was the only one I saw that even. I'd have to look that one up. Might relate to us, yeah, because the other ones do seem like garage maintenance, for example. It's like, eh, it's got to happen anyway. Um, yeah. If, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what that. If is, amenities but. are flower pots, I'd probably say no. But if it's the possibility <laughs> of bike parking, like that would be a significant improvement. Mass Street Planters was also on there. Probably not relevant, but if it's a, like we don't have really good storage for bikes. We all know that. Yeah. Um, so I would. When I see that, I just, my ears perk up a little thinking. Yeah, and if there's any projects on there, you know, I did. I went through and highlighted the ones I thought were relevant, but there's any other ones you have questions about, we could, if we have time here, we can pull them up. And uh, also, yeah, anytime I can, if you got more detailed questions, uh, go over those. I did want to uh, just give everyone just this is an example of a project sheet so if you're talking about how do they get scored there's a uh, you know I talked about the uh, prioritization uh, guidelines and the scoring so here you can see the different categories so there's uh, someone on staff who's the um, champion of that let's just say the the commitment um, and they go through and score all of the projects um, then uh, the city has a CI, uh, CIP uh, committee of staff members that reviews all of the scores and starts to um, uh, starts organizing the projects by score and and by funding source. So it's um, it's it's a complex project because you've got some projects that can only be funded by certain funding sources and or some that can be funded by multiple funding sources but um, so this is just an example of this is Iowa reconstruction and how it's scored in those different those 10 different uh, areas and it, and it had a score of 18 so this is just kind of an example um, and there's a project sheet for every project whether it's unfunded or or funded so what was the is it is it literally like a cutoff? Like, it gets above a certain number, then it gets added in. Um, yes and no. I mean, there's projects that are very high dollar projects that could score very high. Um, the MSO campus is one that you'll see on here. I'll just kind of highlight it with my cursor up here. So you see two phases: mm -hmm. phase one and phase three. That's uh, you got. $51 million project and a $40 million project, that's to the highest scoring projects in the whole CIP. Mm -hmm. And there's a phase two that scores very, very high that it's unfunded because it's um, uh, another $39.6 million and it scored a 29. So there's a lot of projects where, you know, that did not score that as high as a 29, but they're lower dollar project so it's um, it's there, there's not a, a true cutoff but you can kind of see a cutoff when you're looking at funding sources if you're looking at uh, similar type projects that are funded out of say our, our infrastructure sales tax or debt funded projects where um, they're all about the same dollar amount or similar and and there's kind of a score where you know we've only got certain amount of sales tax funds in the year to spend and and we start with the highest scoring projects and um, work our way down. So it sounds a, 
kind of like our prioritization policy for non-motorized projects where, mm -hmm. yeah, we have a way to score it. It doesn't necessarily lock it into. It's the starting point. Yeah. yeah. And then there's conversation, you know, then it goes to the city commission, you know, there's conversations and, and I would say previous to this year, I showed the 10 different items. One of them that was added this year was asset management. And so in the past, projects that rehabilitated things, whether it's a street or a storm sewer, were scored lower, had received lower scores than new projects. And I think we recognize the need that we need to also be factoring in the maintenance of our existing infrastructure. We can't, you know, just because these some of the projects scored higher. So that was added to the prioritization in the last year. So even the prioritization policy and the scoring uh, can evolve from year to year and the and the the way that projects are weighted um, so yeah it's a complex project but the the uh, city CIP committee tries to make a rec they make a recommendation on the five-year plan it goes to the city commission there's public comment adjustments get made um, and yeah and so this the summary that I've attached is uh, the uh, basically by the different uh, areas so you got airport facilities parks road and bridges traffic control and vehicle and equipment um, it's not necessarily sorted by funding source so there's some projects you know like I mentioned um, that uh, can only be funded by certain funding sources like water and sewer projects or revenue bond projects that we can't spend those dollars on streets um, so there's things that are specific to, um, there's funds that have some restrictions um, with them. But a lot of the projects that we review on transportation side are geodet funded or uh, sales tax. And so there's a lot of a lot of projects, transportation projects that are competing against each other. I would say so. There's a lot of, you know, you got we got un, we got a lot of. Funded projects, but uh, look down. These are uh, some of the unfunded projects. So they're all all great projects, all good projects. Um, and there's, uh, yeah. So I might just let me know if there's any other questions. I may just start going through this, and that may help. Go back to the Atchison Bikeway. Sure. Uh, Atchison Creek Bikeway Trail construction mm -hmm. got a score of 22, mm -hmm. and it's was that something that was submitted by someone in the public or was that a? Yeah, that was a citizen request. So that I think might be an example where they've got a, a score that's actually a little higher than some of the funded projects, but I'm guessing it's not in the transportation plan. It's in our bike plan. It's it a, on the secondary network. Yeah. So can you walk through like what's the rationale for that one? I, I no. Right now, no. That's fine. I mean, it was the highest scoring in that in that area. I mean, we could look back at the other projects, but um, I think it, get into this idea of what can we do if we see something that is unfunded. Is there a way that we can evaluate? Um, Ultimately, it's removing a project that's funded. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, we can't, 
not necessarily some of these projects that are unfunded are potential grant projects. Mm -hmm. So we put in their kind of placemakers. Call River Commons face to reason example. That's the the pedestrian bridge over the river, part of the Lawrence Loop. That's, that that could be a a grant project in the future that we get grants. So it's kind of a placeholder, I would say. So there's some projects on here that um, could are unfunded yet for maybe having getting grants in the future. Um, there's also, you know, the part of the conversation could be some of these projects that are bike ped related. This board could uh, recommend adding them to the five year unmotorized plan, bumping them up in the priority and not that could get them done sooner. Yeah, so that, it is interesting why some of these are here instead of on that in that particular fund because they sure seem like very similar to the projects that are in there. For example, the geez, was it? There's a couple of them that are funded. I'm like that seems like a a motorized project. Yeah, I would say some are. The I would also say uh, the on our capital improvement projects, uh, the minimum is $100,000. And you know, the criteria is a, a new, a project that's a minimum of $100,000 creates a new capital asset. Um, so there, yeah, there could be, pro there's, could be project, the Atchison Bikeway project is in the five-year plan, right, unfunded. I'm sure it is, it's a secondary network, so it's in there. Mm -hmm. um, there, um, yeah, but, Again, that we got a million or so dollars in that five-year plan. So some of these, you know, if it's a larger project like the Lawrence Loop Trail, uh, that's multi-million-dollar project, you would eat up all of those funding sources. So it is another avenue to get some multimodal multimodal projects completed that are standalone projects that are outside the five-year plan. It's, it sounds like then the cost threshold is what would bump something up from the non-motorized project CIP up to this one. If it's expensive enough that it, it kind of counts as a standalone CIP project, is that oversimplifying things? No, it could, it could be evaluated if it's in the CIP. Okay. The codes on the left, if it starts with a zero, zero, <clears throat> that one's submitted by the community? Is that? I don't know. The Atchison one was a zero zero. E yes. Okay. Interesting. Otherwise, like the parks. It's a and new. The, the P yeah. PR, I'm assuming, is Parks and Rec. Yes. Yep. MS is MSO. Correct. Yep. All right. All right, I know we've kind of gone and, all over the place, but. And I think I think some of these were from years past, and we redid our project number, so these may be. Yeah. This last year, the RR resident requests. So going forward, when you see RR, I think these projects, there's projects that have been, that weren't funded previously that have just stayed on there uh, from from other years, so. I see. Okay. Well, yeah, I think we should probably go into some of these line-by-line -line ones and just, I think some of them are gonna be pretty quick because we're at, yeah, the, with them already, but yeah. Yeah, most of them, you're probably familiar with a lot of them, but the down, uh, downtown station highlighted that that's transit um, project they're planning to do community engagement and start that process of looking for a site uh, after they complete the central station on Bob Billings Parkway um, the Lawrence Loop Iowa crossing uh, we're, that's the one we're working with KDOT to put in the bridge 
there across Iowa, south of 33rd Street. Uh, were those funds reallocated from something else that was going to be part of that funding match for the the SLT expansion? No. Or was it grant funded or? Partially, uh, we have some federal funds that we're using. Uh, Okay. Our annual federal fund allotment, and then the balance is through a four hundred thousand, which is coming out of five-year plan for the Iowa crossing. Yeah. That, that's our fifty percent match with KDOT funds. Oh, it is okay. okay. Transportation planning funds. That's what I thought. I, I, th I thought that that was one of the ones that originally they were like, "Now we're not going to allow that to be one of your match," but or am I not thinking of the right fund? <laughs> I, I could be I think off. That's the one that yeah, that we use. So that was the, the uh, 27th Street extension. And then or Walker Crusoe. Uh, Walker Crusoe yeah. extension. Right. I think there was separate funding. So this, yeah. this project was actually funded in the in the 23 CIP. It had design funds for this year and construction funds a year out. Okay. And then when KDOT said, hey, by the way, we'll design this and we'll match construction, then it changed in this version of the CIP. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then we negotiated the dollar amount, I think. Or okay. we came to it with the estimate, so that's yep. our estimated cost. That is complicated. <clears throat> so yeah, that's thanks for reminding me of that. So even yeah, that was a project that in the previous year we had designed funds, but not funded for construction, unfunded. Right. And here a year later, it's uh, funded. And in that project, yeah, you know, I don't know what it scores here. It's a twenty, but so, you know, projects could be time based too. That we're tying that into the. Uh, construction of the expansion of the South Orange traffic way. So um, mm -hmm. there's an opportunity cost right. beyond the score. Um, here we've got the Lawrence Loop, Queens to Castle, and Michigan to Sandra Shaw. So we had do have funding in this year's budget to fund Michigan to Sandra Shaw, and we had some that wa was scheduled for 24. We're still working on that project and working on a right of way but funds that were budgeted in 23 uh, could be used in 24 in combination with the KDOT funding that we have um, yeah this Queens Road to Castle that is really probably the next big chunk of loop trail the loop gap uh, that's out there to complete the loop and Aside from this Car River 7th, the Constant Park, where we've, we're beginning to do the community engagement now, have a consultant under contract, and so that'll be going on this fall. Um, that's a project that uh, we're going to be seeking a raise grant, so it's not fully funded for construction, but we've earmarked some dollars uh, to keep moving ahead with that. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, how did you determine those funds? Is there like a preliminary route that you're able to do cost estimate? It's just like... This yeah. is probably the magnitude. It's, it's sometimes it's a rough guess. Yeah. Some project, you know, sometimes we're just trying to squeeze different things up into the fund. Up, you know, yeah. Sometimes it's how much money do we have left? If it's one of these items lower on the list, I think. Um, cool. Jake, did you have anything else that I'm missing on that? How we came up with like the 830? I think that's just like a placeholder for. I think it was a 20% grant match. Yeah, just a placeholder. We don't know the true cost yet or the, right. all the details. So We have no idea where it's going to go even, right? Like there's three or four different routes it could take. and some Pot might be Yeah, potentially. 
be a lot more expensive than other ones. Right, and, and the contractor, their design consultant is going to get that figured out and do the public engagement this year, and then so through that process, we'll kind of have a, a concept design that we'll be able to put a lot more accurate number to. So when right. you see this project, you know, next year in the sheet, numbers are going to change. Yeah. Right? Okay. I'd say, I'd say on our end, it's a challenge sometimes to estimate some of these projects. We don't know the full scope, and exactly. we don't know, you know, until we go through community engagement process, things can be added or removed and so um so we try to be conservative but uh we don't want to be over conservative it's yeah. it's kind of a balancing act but um yeah things change from year to year on the costs and we'll have probably a, a lot better idea here uh next year on construction cost and <clears throat> um other uh projects here in the park amenities the ada sidewalk reconstruction so that's a program that's been ongoing the last few years um, we've got a placeholder in here for 88 brick sidewalk reconstruction we work on getting our brick policy complete hopefully in the next year and have a placeholder to start getting at those uh, sidewalk challenges uh, Bob Billings Castle de Monterey Way um, a reconstruction project so we would look to include a bike facility with that sidewalks um, this is uh, the five-year non-motorized project program that we'll be talking about later what's oh, some of this uh, is uh, a placeholder for grant match like it says 1.7 million but I believe, I believe 1 million is a, gr a grant assuming grant we get grants because right. we you know maybe on average get about that much a year um, not every year but um, we've already talked about earlier this year about the 11th Street project so that um, is moving forward and get funded next year it's in design the Mass Street multimodal improvement projects which we're going to be beginning community engagement here this fall on uh, options for looking at that street Here's our annual street maintenance program. Uh, we got $9.1 million next year. We will be bringing the 2024 plan to the MMTC in November is what we're shooting for. Um, that's where we kind of look at the streets we're doing and look at opportunities for uh, uh, looking at bike ped facilities, primarily bike facilities. Um, that's a program that's funded by multiple uh, multiple funding sources. So we got general fund dollars, some debt funding, a little bit of stormwater, um, sales tax. <clears throat> um, Is there any, <clears throat> any progress on turning that into a multi-year plan, the street maintenance? We talked about this before, like being able, like right now, we kind of see it as a. You know, just before the year begins, we see it, yes. and it's hard to get. Like with the CIP, you can see five years of kind of thinking around um, capital improvements, but yeah. street maintenance. We're getting closer. Okay. Um, I've seen it, but it needs to be tweaked before we make it public because we've been adjusting unit costs and moving things out. So we're going to nail down the 24 here in the next month, and then. We should hear, uh, I don't want to put a date on it, but by the end of the year, hopefully have the five-year plan published so we can look at, at what we're looking at in the future based off of what we have funded. Um, a quick question on this. I saw that 
you know, there's a, the same line item for street maintenance program that was unfunded. Is this the portion, like there was a maybe a budget request for mm -hmm. both, like the total, and this was just what was? Yeah, good question. Yeah, that that's, that's accurate. This is the funded portion. There is an unfunded portion mm -hmm. of street maintenance, okay. the street maintenance program. Dave, can you remind me of what the, the I guess the threshold for being considered a capital project is again. You said it, it's over one hundred thousand dollars. Is it and it creates a new asset, or or it creates a new asset? Because if it's or, that makes it's, sense. It's, uh, it's create a new access or substantially rehabilitate an existing access. Okay. An existing asset to a new one. That makes more. So the street okay. maintenance. There's work in the program that is not necessary. You know, it's not necessarily creating a new asset or a crack ceiling, but it's a program that uses funding from multiple funding sources. So there's a few things in here that are programs. I would say programs and not specifically a project. I mean, in the program, there'll be multiple projects. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's a, another good question. Yeah. It does seem kind of odd. Like, that seems like something that maybe be in the operating budget. But I mean, these are pretty heavy maintenance things, right? Like, it's like it's like a mill and overlay, right? It's not just a stripe here and there, right? Yeah, this is the contracted street maintenance. There is line item in the operating budget for internal street maintenance. Okay. Um, but yeah, that so it's... Contracted street maintenance. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Is the... It's been a while since we've heard anything about using LiDAR data to evaluate the conditions of our <clears throat> streets. Is that something that you guys have made progress on, or is it is that a one and done thing? No, very good timing. We are uh, just getting under contract to redo it this fall. Okay. Re Reevaluate, drive all the streets, get a new PCI number, see how the see how the conditions changed um, on the whole system. So um, an annual thing now. We're doing. We're trying to do it every three years. Okay. It's been three years since we've done it. Three years. And does it also pick up sidewalk conditions, or is it just? Um, it it not accurately enough. Okay, <clears throat> is that a good enough answer? Yeah, I, yeah, we pay extra to try to get that data, but we're we're working on the usability of the data. Yeah, it, it's good for some things, overall condition assessment, but you know it's not going to pick up a crack behind a tree or a car. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's limited. Yeah, and it can it can pull curb and gutter um, condition signs. There's other things that you. You know, data you can extract and we've extracted, but the sidewalk is challenging. Well, I think getting to, to the accurate. point where you can, you know, get it all routinely done, even if it is every three years, that's that's really good news. Um, moving on, if there's no more questions on that, we've got the Iowa Street reconstruction um, project, so we're just starting design on that. Yeah, that's interesting. Pretty straightforward type of project, pavement reconstruction. Um, Wasn't there a Sixth Street one that was kind of like that, where it was like a big street and an important part of it, but also like fairly straightforward? The, uh, yeah, Sixth Street was funded in 2023. There's a Sixth Street project from Iowa to Mass. That's on a second. Yeah, and that's uh, working on design plans. We've added a few things. Okay. Storm sewer is one of them. We had a big storm. A big sinkhole and Taco Bell parking lot from this. Really? So we're adding a few things to that. 
but that includes traffic. So that's one we're looking at the corridor. We're doing yeah. traffic signal at 6th and Mass and 6th and uh, Kentucky and Vermont. We're doing storm sewer. We're doing water line. And we're doing the shared use path from sounds, Iowa to... Sounds like it'd be so a capital improvement project. Where is it on here? It's in 23. So it's funded in 23. For construction? Yes. Oh, okay. So that will roll over. Did we'll we? get it encumbered by the end of the year. Okay. It's not Have plans been completed enough that we can see those, or are we not at that point yet? Um, what do you want to see? Yes, they are completed. I mean, they're substantially complete. I mean, okay. we're working on storm sewer design. Um, we're kind of getting some easements, but we've we've got the rec path on there and everything else. A lot of it's mill and overlay. And then I mean, we get traffic yeah. signal plans. So we've got uh, most of it put together. And even just seeing it, I think, would be helpful. It doesn't necessarily need to be, be at a meeting. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of, like, you know, we have all these new intersection guidelines and crossing guidelines and stuff, and it'd be interesting to kind of see how they would be incorporated into something like 6th Street, which has a lot of crossing mm -hmm. I guess, issues. So, yeah. So, okay. I mean, even if you can just like email that out to us, that would be really helpful, I think. Just to check it out. So, it sounds like then probably both the Bob Billings one and the Iowa Street one would be similar. And that you're not going to be changing the geometry of anything. It's just kind of an in-kind replacement. Oh, no. Sorry. The Bob Billings one's actually pretty different. That's new stuff. Yeah, well, the Castle de Monterey way, um, we'll have to look. We'll be looking at that. I don't know if it's just replacement. Yeah. Yeah. We might Lar put a larger turn, sidewalks. Center turn lane. Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that I mean that seems like essential. I, I imagine we'll be using like the same process we did with Walker, so we'll be bringing multiple options to discuss with the yeah. commission yeah. and get a recommendation on. Exactly. Okay. I would, yeah, I would say I was a little more straightforward. At least mm -hmm. that's the way I see it, because we're not going to be you know, there's turn lanes at intersections, there's a shared use path. There's already a bike lane. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, we'll we will still. Uh, Irving Hill is the bike. one that crosses to KU. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the bridge. Yep. Okay. I was thinking further north. Uh, so Bob Billings, K10. This is west of K10, uh, placeholder to, for design and uh, for the city to contribute some funding to constructing that to work with uh, the development community to look at expansion of an arterial street. Um, this is the city's contribution to the SLT. Last year it was $7 million. It went up to 8.363, the 1.363 is for aesthetic landscaping improvements, so the city commission approved that and gave us direction to include that additional amount in here. That's I would tell you that uh, the city is not participating in the Wakarusa extension. Right, okay. So, I'm, I'm thinking about the discussion with KDOT around they had some suggestions for how we might add um, pedestrian bike crossings. Uh, not funded at all, but they kind of had given us a presentation with some possibilities. Is that project, um, where is that project in terms of getting queued up to be submitted to the CIP? in the future years? We looked at the Clint, at, uh, Clinton Parkway interchange, the bridge, was it bridge, Jake, or tunnel? 
We submitted that. Yep. It's unfunded. I'm looking for it. Yeah, so that was doing. Oh, I see it now. Yeah, $1.3 million ne next year. Uh, How does it score? Where is it at? It's, un it's under unfunded. It scored as an 11. So not really high. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That's up outdoor pickleball. Oh, here it is. Morris Loop, Clinton Parkway Crossing. Yeah, sir. It's actually. So, yeah, we submitted that. That was a project we submitted into the CIP for scoring. Um, I think we took the estimate that we had from KDOT on that. And this was not something that KDOT was willing to include as one of our cost share projects like the Iowa Street. Correct. It's very yeah. similar. It's still a crossing of a thing over. That, there. Yeah, the Iowa Street is not a cost share project in our contribution um we uh, we're okay we're using some federal funds and cost sharing on the design from funding we had out we had put as a placeholder last year okay yeah and how did this one score well it scored a 12. so it's not in our transportation plan I'm assuming it's too new to be in there, or it, I mean, it's the transportation plans. A lot of it's it's it, it. You show the bike routes or future bike routes, so their lines or dashes on the plan. But that would be an enhancement to the bike plan. So like, there's a crossing right now at Iowa for the Lawrence Loop that's there. But the Iowa Bridge is a Parkway enhancement. Clinton Parkway crossing. Yeah, this would be an enhancement to the at grade crossing, crossings of uh, of uh, Clinton Parkway. Okay. The loop where the loop will cross Clinton Parkway because that's where it's going to be like the roundabout madness. But but this is the new one that's going to go to the, the west side of the SLT and kind of cross a lot of stuff, which and, is and avoid some of that. I mean, I understand that it would be new, that's why I'm asking it's not in the bike plan currently. I don't, right? No, the, and the bike plan doesn't necessarily have specific projects in it. Mm. Um, like the Iowa Street Crossing wasn't a specific project. In the bike plan, I think we've identified oh, we've identified crossing yeah. areas in the bike or challenges or with this focus points. I'd, the Clinton Parkway crossing be on the primary network, right? Yes, it, it would on the Lawrence Loop. Yep, it would okay. be. Yep. So what's the like the score of eleven? What does that help me understand? Like, is that done deal or is it something that just like what's the process to get that higher higher up in the rubric well I, I would say the process is to, to look where it scored low and then see what value we could add to it I mean there's the 10 different scoring categories mm -hmm. that Dave referred to so we just have to see where it didn't score as high and see if there's ways to add that scope in the project a lot of the other segments of the Lawrence Loop scored like 17 18 so I'm curious what what brings this one down because um, it has a real safety improvement I thought so it feels right like I mean, again we'd have to look at all the separate scoring and compare them one that I know stands out is external funding so mm -hmm. if KDOT's going to fund it at 50 or 80 percent that raises your score up from you know a one to a three Got to it. a five or whatnot this one being and they literally told us KDOT's going to get a, a zero in that category <clears throat> so yeah. it's got a zero in quite a few categories including equity inclusion efficient and effective processes and also sound fiscal stewardship and engaged and empowered teams has got zero on all those. <laughs> it scores quite high in strategic plan outcome outcome alignment, but yeah, it's got quite a few zeros. Um, I'll try to get through these here in the next few minutes. Uh, these unfunded, we have dash center line on shared use pass, resident request, 
Powell River Commons Phase B was a resident request, which was uh, similar to this project the staff submitted. Um, Bob Billings, Wakarusa to Monterey. So this is a project, you know, I sh showed you the Monterey to Castle project that's funded. Last year we looked at Castle to Wakarusa doing it all. And here's where we, this scored a 27, but we needed to find some things to cut. And I think that might, we can, it's not as critical as the for portion that's funded. So that's an example of something that's scored high, it's unfunded, um, but it needs to be done. So we may do something, uh, if we don't have fully funds to fully reconstruct it or need to, we may just uh, do general street maintenance on it. Uh, this was a new project that we submitted this year, um, Safe Routes to School, based off of the changes to the routes with the school districts changing. And then that was to put a sidewalk on Michigan Street, uh, not Michigan, North Second. Uh, North Second. Yep. Uh, downtown Mass Street Reconstruction Streetscape Project. Um, so there's some other projects in the CIP. I think you mentioned the planners. I think th there's some projects like that. They're individual projects, but I think the vision would be to try to do all of that with one project if we can get the funds to do it at some point. See, it seems like in some cases that can increase the score as well. Um, I think we were talking earlier about like how can we influence things to get on or off the list, and I feel like slicing and dicing and recombining projects has been a way in the past, like with that one in particular. That was a whole bunch of things, right? And then it kind of coalesced into a single one that scores a lot. It's still unfunded. It's still unfunded. That's true. But the planters made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the traffic signals made it, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was curious about curb and gutter maintenance. I don't see it anywhere but unfunded. Does that mean we're not maintaining curbs and gutters at all, or only as part of street maintenance? <laughs> not yeah. on my street, they're not. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good uh, observation. Um, our street maintenance program is our recommendations for the funds are based on the PCI to get it up to a certain level. That does not include curb and gutter. Yet, we do annually spend significant amounts of money out of the street maintenance program on curb and gutter because you're mm. right there, you got bad curb and gutter. May as well. May as well. Yeah. So we've tried to uh, get some dedicated funding because uh, we uh, do hear a lot about curb and gutter. Um, and uh, so we will continue to uh, be efficient with our funding and do what we can when we're doing pavement restoration. Um, but until then, we're a lot of it's just kind of patching existing areas okay. that are that are. I'm kind of like a planter in front of our house. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just really that the concrete's just gone. Green infrastructure now. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So it only scored a 15. Only get eventually. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so Naismith 19 to 23rd, um, that's one that we're still monitoring and it, whether or not it needs to be reconstructed or not. It's holding up better than we thought when we last did maintenance on it. So it's currently unfunded. Um, this is a placeholder for funding construction of the Mass Street project. We're going through the community engagement to determine what we want to do. And so that would be, uh, I think we have some money in there uh, for maybe for additional design work in 24 and then a uh, placeholder for a grant opportunity 25. Uh, Walker's Drive reconstruction. 
Here's the unfunded dollars in the street maintenance program that were requested. This is the unfunded Bob Billings Parkway west of K-10, so we're hoping to partner with developers to help fund portions of that, which could make up that gap. Talked about curb and gutter. This is the 27th Street Bridge between um, Iowa and Naismith. And just needs a needs a re uh, redo the uh, surface. Uh, 23rd Naismith geometric improvements. This well, was a project staff uh, inputted to put in a westbound. Uh, right turn lane at Naismith. We were looking at just the operation of the signal timing and that was a project we threw in to see how it scored. Um, Sixth Street, this is west of K-10. John Wesley Way is the first street that will be north-south of, that will run north-south west of K-10. Um, it's a project we're currently unfunded but going to be looking for opportunities to work with KDOT in the next uh, round of projects uh, for their uh, for the KDOT program since it's also Highway 40 so we're hoping to partner on that so it's kind of a placeholder but we see the need coming here soon for that, that improvement and then this North Lawrence Quiet Zone so um, I've gotten requests in the past to look at uh, what would cost to make improvements at railroad crossings in North Lawrence so that the UP would stop blowing their horn every time they come through. Just like um, day, it seems. So I would tell you, we this was looked at like almost 20 years ago. There was no funds to do it. Uh, we haven't really pursued it since then. In the last six months, we've gotten some calls. I've gotten some calls about bringing it back. So we uh, that's one that I uh, put in there. Um, and so it's not a high dollar project and uh, we haven't identified any grant funding, which would be a good way to do it. Um, but it, it didn't score very high. But um, so those are the ones I highlighted. We still have a couple minutes left. So if there's any other questions on things that the I didn't talk zone, about. Literally just the arms that down um, it's there's a few uh, crossings that would need a median uh, to separate the north-south traffic on either side of the railroad track and um, and and there's a pedestrian crossing that would need to be closed that's from our conversations in the distant past with them that's been the requirements and they've got an online uh, thing that determines what needs to be done you make the different inputs and it tells you so that's weird we haven't spoken with the up railroads about it other than we followed their guidance and that's our understanding of what it would take what about the train crossings that with the shared use paths at both constant and birch and parks aren't those no no horn blowing sites or so like why would they need to close one in north lawrence if the ones on in Pinckney aren't going to be closed. Seems like a strange standard. Yeah, it's a different yeah. railroad, uh, and I could why. tell you the BNSF, which is south of the river, yeah. would prefer that those crossings are not there. Mm -hmm. And so they're not they're not really looked at as a pedestrian crossing. UP is notoriously difficult to work with, from what I've heard. So that that kind of tracks. Okay, interesting. Yeah, no. I was curious about the 
uh, dash center line on shared use paths. I saw this, and it, I'm assuming this was a resident request given the RR code. Mm -hmm. um, just out of curiosity, this is a purely personal opinion. It seems like kind of an unnecessary project. I don't know. I mean, is this some sort of national best practice that we should be getting on board with? Like, does NACTO or some other organization say you got to do this? So I'm assuming like you're talking about a dash line on the shared use path itself, mm -hmm. right? For a million and a half, you do traffic. a lot of other things. Yeah. It's like a lot of money for something that we could do a bridge with, for example, right? Like, that's the cost of the one at Iowa Street, so. I think in locations where you have high traffic volumes or maybe blind curves, right. it would Place be appropriate. Sensors. But to do it on all of them everywhere with the volumes that we have maybe would probably be excessive. Okay. So is this price then for just the critical points or for everywhere? Because, I mean, that's a lot of money. It's got to be. I think, I think it's everywhere. I don't, okay. and, I, and we don't um, always... Uh, We'll say we don't in detail question the costs that are submitted. Those are, the oh, numbers okay. are submitted by a resident, and we score them. And uh, so I, I can't speak to okay. if that would be the true cost or not, because we haven't looked at it in detail. I mean, obviously, it's unfunded, so it's kind of a moot point. But it, it, yeah, I think if it moved too funded, we probably scrutinize it a lot more heavily to make sure that's not I don't know, sort of a, a wasted allocation. Yeah, so here, here's would be the details. This is the project sheet. Um, this would be the details that were submitted. So, interesting. Okay. Do we want to talk about, I don't know how much time we have here, a couple of minutes about the five-year plan improvements that are part of that bucket, you know, sidewalks, bike pad improvements? That, yeah. That's actually the first agenda item on the regular yeah. agenda, yep. so we can get into all sorts of detail on that. Okay, great. Any other questions before we... This has been a, a very interesting session, so thanks for taking the time to walk us through all of it. Public comment? Oh, yeah, we probably should, shouldn't we? Um, is there anybody online who wishes to make a public comment other than the dozens of clones of our own cameras? Just us, huh? Okay. Is there anybody here? No. Okay. Cool. Well, right. next year let's plan to have it a little earlier so it's not just a you know, presentation, but. I still think it's very valuable for us to see all these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll take a five-minute break. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome back to the um, September Multimodal Transportation Commission meeting. This is now the regular portion of our agenda. We've already gone through the Zoom guidelines, I think. I don't think we need to do that again, right? Okay. So, with that, we're just going to move right along into our official agenda. First one is approve the minutes from the June 5th meeting. Um, for those of you keeping score, we did not have a July meeting. I think there was kind of a lack of things to talk about, and then we had to cancel the August meeting due to lack of meeting quora, quorum. So, yeah. So, uh, June is are the minutes that we're looking at. So. Does anybody have any questions, revisions, comments on the minutes before we approve? I move to approve the meeting minutes from June 5th, 2023. I second. Okay. All in favor, raise your hand. All right. Um, motion passes by Commissioner Bryan, seconded by Commissioner Collette, and unanimous. Cool. 
We're now moving on to general public comment, where the public is allowed to speak on any items or issues that are not scheduled on the regular agenda. Public comment will not be received for staff items, commission items, or calendar as a general rule. Each person or organization will be limited to three minutes. The commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented at this time. Individuals are asked to come to the microphone, sign in, state the name and address. Speakers should address all comments to the commission. Does anybody in the room have any public comment to start with? Okay. I'll be quick. My, my name is Michael Hallman, Sustainability Action Network. Just want to um, let everybody know that a month from now, basically October 1st, will be the sixth annual Electric Vehicle Showcase. We've been sponsoring this uh, through the national organization, the National Drive Electric Week. Uh, there are hundreds of organizations around the country having electric vehicle shows that week. This will be October 1st from 11 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon in South Park. Um, we expect to have 30 or so electric vehicles there, which isn't necessarily just cars. We have also have electric bicycles and scooters, uh, one wheel, what do they call those things? Um, but also things like electric terminal trucks, electric buses. We hope to have an electric street sweeper here this year. So you never know what you're going to see at the show. And I hope everybody can come. So that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Any Hummers? Thank you. <laughs> those things are ridiculous. I was thinking boat and, you know, <laughs> airplane. Um, okay, any other public comment in the room on general items? Okay, anybody online on the phone? It's like a light crowd on there tonight. Okay. Well, in that case, we're moving on to the official agenda items. The first one is consider recommendation of approval for the 24 to 28 five-year plan for non-motorized projects. Good evening, Chair and Commission. Jake Baldwin, Engineering Program Manager with Municipal Services and Operations. And I'm here tonight to present the five-year plan for non-motorized projects. Um, this is a, a framework for allocating the funds from the sidewalk, bike, ped, and improvements project of the capital improvement plan that Commissioner Brian discussed in the, the study session earlier. Um, uh, approval of this plan really just dedicates the 2024 year funding to those projects with all the outlying year projects of the plan still subject to change, which is why we bring this plan before the commission for approval every year. Um, some of the reasons behind those changes is um, we have changes to the non-motorized projects prioritization policy. We'll have grant award opportunities um, as well as uh, priority and uh, direction from Multimodal Transportation Commission and City Commission. Um, in addition to changes as funding, as you'll, you'll notice that um, we've increased slightly our funding in the capital improvement plan from the past. We're starting to step that up to essentially compete with inflation. Um, um, the other thing to note here is that given the, the recent school closures and the subsequent revisions to the Safe Routes to School Plan routes, um, the, the five-year plan and the pedestrian side of the projects pays additional attention to the, the routes where we've got safe routes with gaps on both sides. So you'll see that when we discuss the projects here in a moment. And with that, I'll, I'll share my screen here so we can... Uh 
uh, close. The thing on the left, uh, the zoom thing. Gotcha. All righty. Thanks, Kurt. Okay, and we'll discuss the bike side of the, the plan first. Um, this is really um, a, a, essentially a copy and paste of the 23-year plan. We've got the same projects that we just moved up a year in the plan, um, being the 6th Street shared use path plans. We've got two of them on here, uh, sorry, projects, two of them on here that build off the one that uh, just got awarded here recently to build on the north side from um, Iowa to Lawrence Avenue. Um, so the you've got project B30 and B29, extend that all the way out to Monterey Way, which kind of completes the connection to the existing shared use path. Um, the 13th Street Bike Boulevard remains um, from the plan as it was last year. And then the new project is the addition of the East 23rd Street shared use path, basically connects on that block in from Barker to Leonard. Um, you'll see, again, it's a, a somewhat small project at $100,000 for design and construction. Now taking a look at our pedestrian projects, um, this list is substantially different from what we had approved in 2023. Um, and again, that's because we're trying to address the, the new safe routes to school sidewalk routes where we've got gaps on both sides of the street. So the only holdover we've got from the 2023 year plan is the existing safe route to school project on Osdale Road where we received a TA grant for 80% of construction. So that's what's being funded for construction in 2024. The rest of the, the 25 through 28 year projects are those um, new safe routes to school routes that are gaps on both sides. So you've got um, West 25th Street, um, West 2nd Street, which uh, we saw as unfunded in the uh, capital improvement plan there for Deerfield, um, as well as um, some gaps on Vermont and Lincoln and Castled. A um, couple other things to note um, on the five-year plan. You know, we always typically try to split funding even, evenly between the bicycle and pedestrian projects. So you can see we've done a fair job of that um, with the numbers we've got shown there. Um, the last thing I think to note is that the cash flow is positive in just a little bit. So I feel like we're doing a good job of squeezing out as many projects we can given the funding. Um, of course, this is subject to lots of changes, bid prices, things that we can't foresee, but uh, the plan essentially shows us that it's a workable plan. Um, I guess the last thing I'd note um, in my comments is that we've got the maps for all these projects that are listed in the five-year plan attached to the agenda item, um, and good resources for this plan are always those dash, the bike dashboard and pedestrian dashboard that I think we re reviewed in the last year or so. Um, with that, that's the uh, extent of my comments, and I'd be happy to take any questions you've got. Okay. Thank you, Jake. Any comments from the commission or questions on sort of more technical stuff before we move on to public comment? Um, just a question about, or a couple of questions, like the, how do we decide the years that we want to start the projects? So like the East or the East 13th Bike Boulevard slated for 2027 or, you know, how, how does that get sorted? Sure. So we start with the prioritization score in the plan and we try to get those done first. Uh, the, the real kind of puzzle piece of it is the cash flow part. You know, we've got to make sure that we've got enough money in each year to do the project. So sometimes we've got to uh, design a project in one year to build it in the next. And so that plays into where they get slotted for the year as well. Okay. 
And just like the, the shared use path on 23rd Street, is that part of what is planned for a larger shared use path? Because I don't know that a lot of cyclists are using 23rd Street to travel, so that Barker to Lennard is an odd one to me. I'd, I'd have to look at the network to give you a good answer. I don't know off the top okay. of my head. Yeah, that one in particular. So, it, so yeah, I don't yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that, that one in particular, we basically, you know, by moving all those projects up, just had a little bit of funding and it scored high enough that it, it, it was a puzzle mm -hmm. piece that fit. Um, I was kind of curious about the budget request, <laughs> the increased budget request for like, finance or city commission or whoever. Um, how did that go? Were you just like, there's cost of, you know, inflation, materials are going up, we need more money? And they were like, Sounds good. Yeah, it's we, we typically try to budget for inflation with our program asks year after year. Okay. And I think we're kind of doing that collectively better now, and I think it's being received better. Okay. So yes, it, it went. It really went through with that question. Okay. I guess part of the reason I asked, I, I think we've maybe brought this up very briefly in the past, but you know, might there be an opportunity in the future to increase further, maybe beyond inflation? To the reason I bring it up is because years ago at this point, um, we had a retreat where I think we had almost all the city commissioners there, or at least, you know, not enough to be a coma violation, but it was, they, they had indicated um, that they would like to see kind of a better distribution of funding between car projects, bike projects, pedestrian transits, stuff like that, instead of what, I don't know, it's like 80% car related stuff at this point. It seemed that, that there was an interest in that. I don't know if any of those commissioners are still in office anymore, but um, you know, if we wanted to kind of make good on that on that proposal, how would we do it? You know, would MMTC pen a letter that would be of support for MSO as you request a higher budget for the CIP, or what do you think, Dave? I don't know if we have a set process for that, but I mean, I think it probably starts with a conversation with maybe the city manager's office to see if there's an appetite for increased funding. I mean, we can always ask for it. For yep. the, yeah, for the overall program. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I think we, when we started it uh, with the million dollars, we ultimately got up to a million dollars a year because that was one of the uh, recommendations in the bike pet task force. Mm -hmm. And then we've just been, yeah, with the inflation going up. So yeah, it would be <clears throat> along the lines of the conversation we had in the study session, ultimately if we increased that program, we would need to decrease something else. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, Timing-wise, if MMTC were to come to an agreement that we wanted to see increased funding and even maybe have like a number in mind, what time of year would it be appropriate to initiate that request? Um, I think we'd probably want it fairly early next year because as Dave said, our budget process is probably beginning around March. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think we had a call for projects either in late February or early March. Okay. For a citizen request projects and staff also submits projects in the spring. So if March we were to time it with the retreat, if it happens in January or February, <clears throat> maybe that could work, it sounds like. Okay. All right. Something to kind of put on the back burner, but good to know. Okay. Any other questions from up here? If not, I had questions about two unfunded projects that are intriguing. There's one that is Naismith Drive, 18th to 23rd. I thought that was already happening. Like there was a whole project to get the new bike lane on the side, and because I remember going through those plans maybe like two years ago. Is that happening anymore? Uh, it's it's a project on the west side of Naismith, oh. in I believe. 
I, I know it. Yeah, it is unfunded, and it's on the our dashboard. Okay. Uh, honestly, if we were to, to pursue that project at this point, we probably want to retie it to the reconstruction to Naismith, which we had in the CIP. It's now unfunded in the CIP because essentially our road maintenance project held up a lot better than we had anticipated. So that's probably the avenue we'd, we'd pursue for a project like that unless we were able to you know, get another grant. Okay. I just didn't realize it was for the other side of the street because, yeah. Okay. Uh, and the other one was Mass Street Bridge. Um, where? That sounds interesting, too. It's a uh, project number, geez, B140. It just says Massachusetts Street Bridge. Like across the river? Yes. Okay. So is that sort of like part of the Caw River Commons project then? I, I think or? I think it would, yes, be included in that project. I mean, obviously, we, we've the, the work we're going to be doing, the planning work with the project we've got now is going to think about and plan for things like that. Yeah. And I imagine that the capital improvement plan moving forward will, will start to kind of combine and consolidate those projects as we get a more clear vision. Okay. That makes sense. So we'll probably not see it in its current form for much longer then, just because it'll be rolled into or modified. Okay. That's kind of where I thought it was, but I was curious if maybe I was totally off base. There's some other bridge need. Okay. One quick question. Why was the the Massachusetts from 21st to 23rd selected, but there was a higher you know score for 14th to tw the 21st? I know it says we're seeking grant funding. What was the, do you know what, why that happened in that order? Um, I didn't catch the first project. Oh, yeah. So Massachusetts Street's from 21st to 23rd mm -hmm. was in the CIP for next year, or was approved. <laughs> but then um, the Massachusetts Street from 14th to 21st was not approved, but it had a higher score. Mm. Um, I guess I'd have to look into that. The, it, in the grand scheme of things, the, the project is being going through community engagement and planning now, and it'll all happen at once from 14th to 23rd. Yeah, so the CIP projects 14th to 23rd is one project, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but any the the gaps that may be unfunded or not on the list were just broken out as different segments. And so ideally those improvements get done with that CIP project and not through this five, through our five year mm -hmm. plan. So we wouldn't, but it, it probably just a matter of how the segments broke up in in the GIS. Right. That's, yeah, that's what I'm seeing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and it says that for that 14th to 21st Street segment, um, they're looking for grant funding. So, it may be that that's kind of the the source of the funding. Is this <clears throat> is this just an example where maybe this one needs to be removed on this list because it's in the CIP? Yeah, I think we, we, we've talked about that, but we have kind of chosen to leave them on there just okay. because we don't know. And once it gets removed from the list, we don't want to forget about it. Right. Um, so there's some projects on here that um, I mean, we've probably talked about before or, or high dollar projects that may, may score high, but we don't, that we're leaving them, leaving them on the list. And I think like Ninth Street was one of them, right, Jake? I don't know. Right, right. There just hasn't been the appetite to take on those projects yet. 
But the Ninth Street, so Project ID B033, that one does have in the status CIP 2025. Yeah, I was referring to the pedestrian oh, sorry. list. It was, it's at the top of the list. I was looking at the bike one. That we would try to do with a future road reconstruction because it's a high dollar mm -hmm. project. <clears throat> the <clears throat> items on the bike projects list don't contain uh, an estimated cost. Right. Is that because it's not available or just didn't? Some of the work has, hasn't been done. Some of the facility type hasn't been determined. Okay. I'm wondering if there's any project that might be around $350,000 that we could consider for the year 2027 if the bike boulevard is something that um, we thought maybe should be deferred. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a project in the list that scores fairly high that could be traded out. I just couldn't tell you what that is without you know, going through some analysis. Okay. And it's also possible to see one of those move up, right? Is, is that what I'm, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's not yes. set, but it has to. No, yeah, that's, that's what we're getting the, Great. your feedback on. I think that 13th Street you know, project is really a, a great connector um, over to, towards Haskell. And in, I know we had some comment from the public, written comment about that. Um, but, you know, from a network perspective, I think that that's a, a, a really key piece for an east-west, you know, crossing towards Burroughs Creek Trail. Right, and, and that project itself is a bit of a holdover. You know, we designed it at the same time as the 21st Street project. Mm -hmm. Didn't have enough money to build it, and I think we wanted to, you know, try one out first and, and see how it was received and how it performed. And, and so that's kind of why it still shows up on the list. There's always some value built into having it designed already, and it, it scores high enough to be included. Shall we go to public comment? Yeah. Okay. Anybody in the room? Sign in. Is there a sign in sheet? I don't know if we do. Okay. Um, <laughs> Phil Collison with the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association, and I wrote that public comment. And we're not big fans of that 13th Street Bike Boulevard, uh, mostly because 13th Street is already just a really nice street to ride on. Um, there's connectors to, to the Burroughs Creek Trail from uh, 14th Street now from the Splash Park to 14th Street. You can also easily get into 12th Street. One thing that got suggested was like a cycle track down the crown of 12th Street on the, on the bricks. Like, I don't know how wide a cycle track needs to be, five or t eight to 10 feet, but down the center, 12th Street is a very little used. It's a great, would be a great connector into South Park. Um, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, I think that what we really want to emphasize is that we need safer routes. And, uh, you know, Connecticut Street is a bad street to ride on, and there's Sharrows on it. Uh, 18th to 23rd Street, 
at Naismith with the Sharrows is an awful street. I've ridden my bike in town for 47 years, and um, I notice, you know, looking through some of the projects, I ride my bike out 6th Street because I have a reason to ride my bike there, and those sidewalks are really chunky and getting. Uh, coming back from the west, from the far west, the the curbs are really good until you get to, I don't know what, Lawrence or Castle or somewhere in there. And, and uh, 31st Street's kind of the same way. Uh, I used to play volleyball for years and years, lived on the east side, played at Holcomb Park. 27th Street would be just an ideal place to have it, to be able to get through so you can get to Holcomb, get out to 31st Street, and uh, you know get out to Castle on the curb. Those were all destinations that I would ride my bike to. Also, uh, Barker to Lenard, I, I didn't see that one, and that is an odd one, but I bank at Main Street Credit Union at the corner of 23rd and Haskell, and so before Burroughs Creek Trail was there, I would ride down uh, Lenard Street, to get to 23rd Street and then ride the chunky, the awful sidewalk to get to Main Street Credit Union. And I just wish that uh, Fields and Ivy would put a sign out underneath that uh, intersection, the underpass that says, bring your helmet in and get a dollar off a beer. And it's so disappointing to see all these places along the loop. You go to other cities and you see 40, 50 bikes piled up on outside of these places on Sunday afternoons. and no one encourages bicycles to come to their place except for uh, Free State when they do their bottling tour. So uh, safety, I think the other person that commented, uh, safety is the biggest thing that we need to be focusing on and functionality and getting places. Thank you very much. Thanks. Oh, and Thanks, statistics Phil. about how many people ride on 21st Street. You know, what's been the impact? How has it impacted bicycle traffic? Data would be a good thing to have. Mm. That's true. Thank you. Mm. Michael Allman again with Sustainability Action Network. A um, couple of things I want to point out about the bike projects list for 2023 that puzzles me. B118 and B026 reference being on the CIP uh, for 2025 and 2027. I do not find them anywhere in the CIP. So just FYI, that's very puzzling. Um, as far as Massachusetts Street goes from 14th Street to 23rd Street, the CIP does have that as MS100005, um, $300,000 in 2024. That may be for design. However, I don't see this as a major financial project. Um, it's, it's supposedly like from 11th to 14th, it's a street maintenance project, mill and overlay. The bulk of the, com of the funds are for the, uh, the pavement. The bicycle, pedestrian, the bicycle part of that for um, buffered and or protected bicycle lanes is merely restriping. So $300,000 should take up, I would think, that entire project. Why it's split into two sections like Commissioner Carter pointed out, I don't know. I mean, it seems like 
both sections could be funded by $300,000 or something in that neighborhood. Um, as far as 13th Street Bicycle Boulevard goes, I was involved as, as not on the commission, but on the Pedestrian Bicycle Task Force when this idea came up for a bicycle boulevard on 21st and on 13th. And at that time, you know, I thought of it as kind of a panacea that if we get bicycle boulevards, you know, we've got the gold standard. Well, 21st Street was installed partially as a, as a trial balloon to see how it works. Um, we learned a number of things by doing that. First of all, that over a million dollars really was not gaining us a lot of a bang for our buck. Um, I can think of uh, more efficient, simpler ways to make um, you know, a bicycle-friendly street, which a number of communities around the country are doing, uh, bicycle greenways, neighborhood greenways. They simply restrict some of the access uh, for motor vehicles and make it 20 miles an hour. Now for 13th Street, another thing that we should have learned from what, three years ago when this first came up, is that if we do facilities like a bicycle boulevard, like the Bicycle Pedestrian Task Force suggested, which I supported at the time, you know, that might be good for the city-wide, but what about the neighborhood? Where is the consideration for the neighborhood's desires and needs take into effect here? I think when, at, three years ago, they brought up the fact, like um, Mr. Collison mentioned, 12th Street, 12th Street might be a better option. Um, keeping it a brick street so the motor vehicles are slow in the sides with a paved asphalt 10-foot wide bicycle track in the middle, that might be a better way. So we should be listening more to the neighborhoods as well as considering citywide considerations. So, um, you know, that. this isn't a slam dunk. Good it's time. not easily determined that this is the solution. So I just wanted to bring that up. Um, I would like to see maybe just 20 miles an hour on 13th Street. Okay. We don't need to restrict access there. There's not that many motor vehicles there anyway. I go, we're out of time, Sorry. so. Thank you very yeah. much for your work. Thanks for the suggestions. <clears throat> okay. um, we got everybody in the room. Anybody online for public comment? Okay. Let's bring back to the podium. All right. I want to get the commission's take on the bike boulevard because I do feel like it's maybe a little bit more complex issue than just is it on or is it off? Um, <clears throat> or is it this year or is it next year, right? Um, I, yeah. I do agree that there there were lessons learned probably and continue to be lessons learned with 21st Street. And because of that, it seems almost simplistic to carry through with the exact same design as it was. Um, I'm not disagreeing that it could maybe still happen, but you know, do we need to rethink it a little bit? So, but that being said, it wasn't budgeted for any more engineering or design, right? So at this point it's budgeted for the construction estimate that came out of the original engineering. So to do anything else would require like recontracting somebody right or designing it in-house so it's not as simple as just like let's change it up a little bit like all changes that were going to happen have happened basically unless you change something during construction right although it does say design and construction on the project phase which is weird because 
there are conceptual designs on the city's website, but not final, I guess. Uh, well, there was there was design plans done. That doesn't mean that they couldn't change if we were to reinitiate the project. So, uh, I mean, okay. the the numbers only is as good as what we you know the cost estimates only as good as what we did before, like what we planned before. If we we did something different, I'm sure we would go through community engagement design plans and redo the cost estimate. So. Um, how accurate that is, it just depends on what we do, right? So it's 350, it could be more, it could be less. So it's probably more of a question on whether or not the board wants to keep it in the plan or not. I'd like to see it stay in the plan, but with the possibility of, you know, considering either other designs or possibly different placement, you know, and I think uh, Mr. Collison's suggestion about getting some data from the 21st Street um, program would be you know helpful in kind of moving forward on that on that particular um, on, the, on the new project you know whether that's 13th Street or 12th Street or someplace else altogether but um, you know I like the idea of bike Boulevard but you know considering you know that I mean I've heard a lot of neighborhood comments about 21st Street and you know looking at how that could be all of that could be improved and still be a safe place for, for cyclists and pedestrians. Do most of the comments come from that it makes it difficult to drive? What are their, what are the complaints? Yeah, I think as a through street like it used to be, it's not that anymore. So depending on where you're going in the neighborhood, you may have to, um, you know, loop around, <laughs> go around the couple, a couple of blocks, or and similar, similar things that we heard on okay. Olga Lawrence in terms of the neighborhood traffic management, you know, as far as making it as convenient as possible to the to the neighborhood, but but limiting speed and, and increasing safety in the in the neighborhood. So I thought they got rid of access control on 21st. Is there still access control? Yeah, because mm -hmm. no, um, I'm trying to think because I don't go that way very Is often. Is it on Louisiana? There's access control at 21st and Louisiana, 21st and Osdale. Yeah. Okay. And you have to, yeah, you have to make a, you can't go through on 21st Street. Is that at Alsdale? I see. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. That's good. I mean, the, but the point of the bike boulevard is to slow down traffic and make right. it more inconvenient for drivers. That's right. the, the goal. And it does that successfully. Right. Right. Um, and I actually think it's the most comfortable infrastructure we have in the city, mm -hmm. but it's also... The speeds were really high on that road. Lawrence High School kids are ripping in and out of there. It really does serve a good purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think rather effectively, crossing Massachusetts Street on 21st now is you know, way safer than darting across it previously was. I think the conversation around doing a bike boulevard on 13th, I don't know that I feel strongly about 13th. I actually think it's one of the most comfortable east-west crossings from East Lawrence um, towards even further East Lawrence. Um, uh, I bike my daughter to school every day, and I don't want to go into personal anecdotes, but 19th and 15th feel way worse to me than going across on, on 13th, way less comfortable. I do think that there's a need, given the number of fatalities we've had on Haskell and those intersections, towards building out better infrastructure towards further East Lawrence. Um, as far as um, 
I mean, and, and the goal here is to build an, a network, right? It's not just one part of the city or one neighborhood, but it's so that cyclists can get around throughout um, kind of, I mean, all the city, right? That's the goal. It, so I think, Damon, I don't know if it was you I was talking about this with, but I don't, and I don't remember if it was this bike boulevard on 21st or Old West Lawrence, because they kind of seem similar to me in that the original plans were a lot more aggressive and had a lot more teeth. And then when they were watered down based on neighbor concerns, they ended up being like almost as wide as the road it was itself and like not really do much of anything to slow traffic because the chicane came to the width of a parked car at the most. I was like, well, we already had that, right? So I'd be very curious to see if the speeds have changed on 21st Street. And I mean, anecdotally, would you say they have gone down? Like, has it helped? Um, I think, you know, people can just drive down the middle of those roads to avoid getting in and out of the chicanes. I think those, uh, the intervention at Osdale and Louisiana certainly helped to slow down traffic substantially. And then, of course, stopping traffic on Massachusetts Street is like, you know, an incredibly important part of that. I don't know that the chicanes do that much to slow down traffic, but I think that's part of the design. Mm. This might have been my experience at least. So I, I would just provide a little bit of input. We did do some after traffic counts and speed data on 21st Street. Um, we looked at it a little bit with the KU crossing project that was going on uh, with the inner uh, section at 21st in Iowa. So I looked at one area that's between um, Osdale and Naismith and the Traffic volumes were down 75% and the speeds were down seven miles per hour. Wow. So, but I don't have uh, any data on the bicycle volumes. I don't know if we've counted those yet or not, but that would be good for us to look at as well on the before and after on bicycle, because I know we did a count before, but. I think getting the after count would be really, really, really useful. Do you happen to have any speed data? Sorry, Mike. No, it's okay. Uh, um, on 13th Street, as it is now, because though it is relatively low volume, given that congestion is one of the only things that makes people drive slower, um, you know, it's basically a drag strip, or it, it very easily could be in the wrong hands, right? Like, sure, there, there are plenty of people in the neighborhood who drive the right speed, but I mean, I think a lot of people don't even realize it's only a 25, but it's like wide open and <clears throat> totally visible for like a mile straight. Hard to even see where the stop signs are. Like, it's kind of built to be a speedway almost. So. It seems like simply because of the not great initial design of it, it would be deserving of a, some sort of safety for bikes. Um, but I have no idea how fast cars actually go. Cause yeah, we haven't gotten any data since we did the trial. I would say that um, pretty sure that under our old traffic calming policy and plan, that was one of the unfunded projects that back when it, it had met the criteria back on our old policy years ago like for speed bumps basically um, but we haven't done any gotten any data on 13th street in the last at least in the last four years interesting so <clears throat> i'm inclined to think about like how do we do kind of finish an evaluation of the 23rd street uh, or 21st street Bike Boulevard, so we can feel like we have some certainty other on, on the idea of whether it was successful or not. Yeah. And <clears throat> to jump into another Bike Boulevard without doing that feels a little bit premature. And 
my other um, thought, and this is a little different, is we had the discussion last month about the, or month before, about <clears throat> neighborhood traffic management program. And this starts to feel like maybe it's a, maybe it's a better discussion inside that program. If a, if a neighborhood has an interest in a bike boulevard, how would we kind of s support that process so that you know they figure out the best location for it? And one of the neighborhoods that comes to mind in that um, space for me would be Pinckney. In the Ped Bike Issues Task Force, it was three bike boulevards that were presented as examples, and then the the call for the recommendation was to build a highly visible network of these, um, I'm pretty sure it's some of a high visibility, don't hold me to that. <clears throat> but I, as I recall, we gave three examples and Fifth Street was the other one. Mm -hmm. And it is right now not designed well for bicyclists unless they, unless we have an Idaho stop and everybody can just roll right on through. So. That's the one that's been, in my mind, I'm really curious. Like if we especially get the 6th Street uh, shared use path built, then how do you connect that to getting people all the way downtown? You know, the idea was they would take a turn at Wisconsin, shift over to 5th Street, and then they would ride on down and hit Constant Park. So that one is, I'm more curious about, but there's no design, there's no nothing, and I wonder, you know, the Pinckney neighborhood, are they queued up for the neighborhood traffic management? Would this be a better discussion with the neighborhood when they're trying to do that work if they are? You know, in this case of East Lawrence, if East Lawrence is queued up to want to apply for the neighborhood traffic management program, um, maybe that's a better time for the discussion about is there a space where you'd want to have a bike boulevard? Um, so I'm just feeling a little uneasy trying to say, yeah, let's just plan for that in 27, when we don't really know if, 20, if the 21st Street one is <clears throat> the success we, sounds like we think we do. So that's kind of where I'm at with this. When we, um, when the city annexes for new subdivisions and new roads are plotted, what, is there a community engagement process for how those roads should be built as part of the city's network of roads? Do we go to neighborhood associations and say, do you want a new road that goes out west? No. 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 It's just part of the standard subdivision. Yeah. The planning commission would be the space for that. Yeah, but I mean, my point here is it's part of the city's network, right? And if we... It's not that I don't want to hear neighborhood opinions or values or concerns, but um, when we uh, are trying to build a citywide network for all ages and abilities to bike and get around safely on, on foot or on bike, it's not that just the, you know, Old West Lawrence neighborhood traffic management plan helps or hinders Old West Lawrence, right? It's all users that have to travel through that area, whether on in a car, on a bike, or on foot. And so I, um, when I think about this, I'm trying to think holistically about how do we balance the concerns of the neighborhood with the concerns of the city at large, right? 
because we don't like we don't go through this process when we design roads for cars. Right? Yeah, I hear you. <clears throat> I mean, we don't yet. So that's that's part of the zoning code update is the process. Right. Yeah. Subdivision regulations will be a part of that. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So I think. You're, you're, you're exactly identifying the balance, right? Because when you do the work, it typically activates the neighborhood that's impacted directly, yet you're trying to create a network for the whole community to use. And so there's a balance. And what's kind of getting me uneasy about this is, who is the bike boulevard serving primarily? And how do we attend to that? So the 21st Street Bike Boulevard, I would guess it's probably primarily being used by the people that live in that area that are trying to find a safe place to bike. But I don't know. And I don't know if there's a way to find out. When I'm thinking about where I uh, lived in Monterey a few years back, there was a particular road I would take my girls on to learn how to ride. And it was the lowest volume, um, longest stretch of road. And if I had to create, like, here's the way, here's how you train your kid to ride a bike, you take them on this street. And that's how I, part of my head is thinking, okay, Bike Boulevard is that safe place for a parent to take their child to learn to ride. And they're not going to experience a lot of traffic to, mm -hmm. they're going to have just enough to learn the ropes, but not too much to be dangerous. I mean, I don't know that we can identify who the users are that are on 21st Street Bike Boulevard, but there are several destinations along there. Lawrence High School, going out to KU, a lot of students get there, families going to Hilltop, Child Development Center, go down 21st to, you know, Oasdale and up to KU campus. So it's catching, actually, I think a lot of users that are traveling to and from destinations through there. Now, whether 13th Street captures people that are you know cycling to get to one place or another i don't know right but i think you know <clears throat> from my observations that road is used because it's the safest one by a lot of mm -hmm. people and because there's places that people are actually going to that are along that route, route. route to downtown too mm -hmm. so part of the 21st street uh selection is similar to fifth street it's an alternative to 23rd street mm -hmm. so if someone's going to take their bike 23rd Street is potentially more dangerous than 21st. Oh, yeah. So how do we Very move much. them? How do we kind of help them get to the place that's safest to ride? And 5th Street is safer to ride on than 6th Street. Um, I don't think, I don't know how we thought about 13th. When, I mean, it's been a few years since we'd had this task force. I, don't know, I live there and bike there all the time. It's definitely lower volume and safer than 11th and 15th are. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not thinking that. The, I, don't, I don't recall the discussion being it's too dangerous on 15th. We need to move people over to 13th to ride there instead of on 15th. But that logic of saying the the this one network is not the safest for people on bikes, but just a block or two over is a place we could try to steer people towards that that would be safer for them. Um, and then it was also intended to think, how do we create a, the, the larger network? I have the task force report pulled up on my screen, and it, it says 
you know, given the high number of residents and university students that ride bikes in downtown Lawrence, the city of Lawrence should prioritize development of. I think the idea of it is still good, but. Yeah, if you're looking for a spoke from the loop to downtown, like it's definitely 13th. Like yeah. Without question, when you're looking at the map. So mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, I guess it's just more of a question of what, what is the best uh, design for that spoke. I mean, it's a local road. Mm -hmm. um, so it's already slow traffic, so it's not like, you know, I mean, we could talk about protected lane, but usually that's not what you recommend for a street with that low of traffic, right? Like, we typically only go there if it's like 30 or 45, you know? So it's like, I mean, our de facto infrastructure is probably a shadow on this type of road, so. It's kind of tricky. It being that big of a connector, we obviously want to do better than a share mm -hmm. So it's like, what is the right solution? I think the major problem is that it's, it's, frankly, it's mislabeled. It's called a local street, but it's like 30 feet wide with no stripes, right. total straight sight lines. Like it's built like a collector, and that's that's kind of a recipe for yeah, danger, right. right? Like not everybody goes 45, but it would be very easy to go 45, and I've seen it happen. So it's like, and that's why I kind of so like, wide. Yeah, that's why I kind of like looking at the. I hadn't looked at the design before tonight because I wasn't sure. I didn't know that it was designed, but it, yeah, it does look like it would definitely be slowing cars down. Um, yeah, if it's aggressive enough. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll do the same thing that the parked cars currently do, which kind of bump you out in the street and bump, bump you back. Yeah, it's, there's very few parked cars on there, though. I mean, I think, though, because it's so low volume, does it make sense to do an intervention? Whereas you have more dangerous east-west crossings like 15th Street that could really benefit from like the traffic calming. Also, I, I do want to note, not that I, I, you know, just think it's something to consider on 15th Street. Affordable Housing Advisory Board is looking at buying the East Heights Elementary School to turn it into a for, you know low-income housing with embedded childcare on site. Yeah. So that site is right there by Burroughs Creek Trail and will have even more kids in the area. Now, it's not that I'm saying we do this on 15th Street. I just think forward planning, where we're looking at growth happening, um, family-oriented, and you know, like that's by the East Lawrence Recreation Center. Just thinking about that. And that potential apartment building that was proposed for far, far East 15th Street. Yep. 15th Street is collector. It's a uh, minor arterial. Minor, yeah. Very strange. It's the exact same dimensions, right? As <laughs> 13th Street, but um, but it was decided that that's a collector. <clears throat> yeah, and I think when we when the bike plan was done, some of the recommendations from the bike path task force may have carried over onto the bike plan network, and so th you know 15th Street has the bike lanes, it's a narrower street, but 13th Street was identified as the primary network between mm -hmm. Connecticut and Haskell, I think mm -hmm. is what it was. <clears throat> and so, so as far as the, what street it's on, 12th, 13th, whatever, I mean, that's a discussion to be had with the bike plan. That's mm -hmm. going to be redone next year. Um, right. So I guess then our, our directive then is, do we keep it where it is? Do we move it back? Do we scuttle it entirely? I don't think we can scuttle entirely. But do we move something else into its place instead? as a discretionary move. Because like Dave and Jake were both explaining, like the ranking gets you on the list more or less, but funding and timing is a big big factor of it also. 
And then, you know, there's sort of the discretionary thing. So in terms of timing here, if the bike plan is the time to start talking about where to put it, I, I mean. I mean, that gives me even more pause. You know, like, if the bike plan is going to be updated, then next year's opportunity for greater discussion about bike boulevards broadly, this one in particular, I'd, I'd be curious to know what else would cost about 350000 we might consider as an alternative for 27. Especially because if we have to do public engagement again and probably redesign it again, possibly on a, a new street, with escalating construction costs, 350 is pretty optimistic, I bet. I mean, I think that there's a need for uh, better bike infrastructure in that part of the city in general. I mean, I don't know that it has to be 13th Street, but it sounds like we're either nixing it and saying we're going to do something else. But, I mean, there was, goodness, there was a woman that was just convicted for killing a woman that was crossing the street at 15th and Haskell last week. I mean, she was convicted and sentenced to prison time. I'm, but the point is, there's like, obviously these are dangerous roads and I think that there's need for better um, infrastructure over there. Yeah, especially planning for the future. I mean, you know, as, I mean, it's kind of anybody's guess honestly at this point, which way development's going to go because it's all up in the air. But I feel like signs point to infill and walkable neighborhoods is where the market would want to go if the laws allow such things. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, then there would be more people walking, biking, driving, taking transit. So like planning for the future could help as well, like if, if that's our assumption, you know. But Charlie, like you said, it's, it is really up in the air, right? I mean, if we're doing a bike plan and there's the zoning code rewrite mm -hmm. and there's potential for an NTMP study there, like who knows? <laughs> yeah, since this is a 27 project, I don't, it's far out. I don't see any problem with leaving it as is and then you know, as the bike plan develops next year and the and the uh, subdevelopment plans and that kind of thing, that that could get get changed and that we could, yeah. you know, we can always bump it up next it year. Or, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah. you know, until we have that, you know, those additional updates, it it would be a shot in the dark to move it to, you know, it's a 27 project still, uh, move it to something else, but then, you know, might get moved back because of the because of the recommendations of the bike plan, so I guess I don't I mean, see I, I get that it's off a few years, but I, I guess I'm mostly curious what alternatives staff would could provide. Like, <clears throat> we can't look at the per current list and find a $350,000 project because the prices aren't on there, so. Is that an easy lift or is that too much to ask? I mean, we could bring back options at the next meeting. It just seems like has a, easy has a defer idea. and bring it back next month and we look at some other possibilities. Um, I guess the only caveat to doing that is I know we're going to have a connected city discussion with the city commission in October at the same meeting that approval of this plan was expected. So it was, it was planned to put those two items together for the commission. It sounds like at this well, point there might be two factions, I want to say, of people who want to move it back because we're not sure about what's going on and people who would be okay with keeping it where it is because it's far out enough that the bike plan will be done by then. Um, and then what I'm hearing, though, is it, this could go to the city commission next month, which then would 
potentially garner public reaction to this, right? I mean, if the city commission is going to see a proposal for a bike boulevard on 13th Street in 2027, the public would likely, just like we heard tonight, yeah, absolutely. They might it's bring bring forth even more effort to show that they don't agree. Right. So to avoid that, is there any any chance we could look at an alternative what? tonight? I, I guess first I would note that this project was on the plan last year and went through the same process. Um, but there's also the option of, of striking the project and not plugging it in right now. Plugging something else in its place. I think the difference in last year is we didn't have the neighborhood telling us they objected to it. Of this wasn't the only public comment on it. There was pub there was support for the project that was also submitted to the commission, but the person isn't here tonight in person. So if I'm, I may, before we send you on a, a, a task to find a project that could fit here, should we try to do a motion first and see if it's necessary? Because I don't know, honestly, which way people are leaning. We, we don't even have to do, do, do a motion. Like, how in general are, are we, are we on Team Charlie or Team Pat, basically? <laughs> are we just should kind of stay or shouldn't? And, and before we do that, Michael, you had something to add to this. If you can keep it to, to under a minute, we'll hear you out. A point of order. The last I looked, the five-year plan was on the December City Commission agenda. Hmm. Style? Yeah, December. I don't know. I mean, you could double-check that. Um, we're having a connected city update that's different, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So there will be connected city update on the city commission agenda and the five-year agenda. But I, I could be wrong. Well, it may, it may be after October, right, the five-year plan? That would be a different item. The connected city update is just they have a schedule of providing the strategic plan updates to the city commission. And, and in October will be the connected cities outcome area update, which potentially could include descriptions of these things that are in the five-year non-motorized prioritization funding plan. Okay. But that's a discretionary presentation, right? Like, we could or could just drop this from there. And, and then in December, this will get to the, com the commission, is what I, I hear you saying. Yeah, in, in our software, the five-year plan is in October for the city commission. I don't know if there was a mistake on the future okay. items or, or something like that. Separate from the strategic plan update? No, it's, it's supposed to coincide. Okay. The commission asked for that update. Okay. I just want to clarify, even if we keep this, uh, you know, on, you know, I guess on Team Pat, but it's like, even if we keep this in, it doesn't mean that it's immutable, right? It's right. like it, it change can next change. Yep. Next year. But what we're saying is we are committing $350,000 to doing a bike boulevard. I mean, it's on 13th right now, but it's it, it could change. Is that right? Yeah, it's more of a placeholder. So it's yeah. not, we're not, I wouldn't even say committing. Yeah. We're planning right. the possibility to do it if we have the funding and the desire. Really, once we get to 25, 26, 26 will be decided in the 27 projects. Yeah. The, the, the thing that is kind of committing is the very next year, 
that's a little bit more like yeah we're saying next year is this but all the out years are Mm-hmm. More about Can we change the title of it to something like "Adding to the Bicycle Boulevard Network"? So, twenty-seven. I was thinking about that actually, and I feel like mm. that could be misconstrued as being disingenuous, but also it is realistic because we don't know what it's yeah, going to be, yeah. right? I mean, honestly, I think the Turnpike Boulevard is most terrible marketing to begin with because a lot of people don't like cyclists. So it's like, do you really want to call it that? But it was. Um, there's the, the one on Fifth Street was listed very differently. It says Fifth Street, Wisconsin to Tennessee unfunded. That was going to be a bike boulevard. Mm-hmm. So what if we say 13th Street, Massachusetts to Haskell? Do I have that right? And, you know, call it what it is, right? Because mm-hmm. if, if, it, if it may go through an entire different public engagement process and a redesign, it may not even end up as a bike boulevard. So calling it by a not loved name doesn't seem to be doing us any favors, whereas keeping it in the CIP may, because at least then we've kind of planned for something, whatever it may be. I think it's important to say we want to include a project for $350,000. Why would we turn that down, right, from the engineers? Well, if there's something else more urgent that we see on the unfunded list, you're like, oh, my God, how did right. that not make it in here? Right. <laughs> but, I, Street Bridge. <laughs> but what I'm hearing yeah. from the city engineer is it could change, Yeah. you know, and do we need to retitle it right now? I don't know, you know. That's up to you guys in the future. If it keeps stays on there, then next year we would start with this plan and bump it up a year. And mm-hmm. I agree with the name Bicycle Boulevard didn't go over, over well. I know after we did the project on 21st, we were thinking about, you know, in the future, I think it was like Neighborhood Greenway or Bikeway or, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. the name can always be changed. I don't know if I would advertise it as Bike Boulevard, but yeah. Yeah. Whatever, it's the same type of deal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and it, I mean, just looking, if you're looking at the list of projects, um, other than the ones that are committed, the Fifth Street one was the, aside from Naismith Drive, 18th to 23rd, which we talked about, it could be done with the street project. The next highest scoring project is Fifth Street, Wisconsin to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. as a 17 and then there's a bunch of 16s on there um, so yeah we can either swap it out or leave it on there for now it's up to, yeah it's really up to your call yeah that'll be part of whatever motion or recommendation is I guess so just to get a feel for the Commission at this point, I would say I'm leaning to leave it on there at this point, and if we can change the name to something more generic to reflect the reality. Um, how are the people feeling, Ed? I agree with you. Yeah, it's okay. plus I need to do a little bit more research on back a little bit better background on the different. There's a whole history on this thing. <laughs> so okay, Damon. Yeah. yeah, I think given it. Um, Uh, giving it a place and yeah, ch- changing the name and maybe rethinking, um, I don't know, not holistic design, but design elements maybe. But. Um, so by renaming it, <clears throat> are we just thinking convert it to 13th Street? Massachusetts to Haskell. All the other projects are like that. Super generic, mm-hmm. like Massachusetts yeah. Street Bridge. Who knows? What so that's. that's what I would right. yeah. recommend doing. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's it's especially because it's three years out at least, four years out. So yeah, I don't 
feel like that's super. I think that's a good middle ground, and it doesn't. It kind of implies we're not diehard committed to Bike Boulevard. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like means we've listened to the public as well. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there has been a lot of you know, <clears throat> backlash coming from people who are more car oriented as like, ah, this is you know slowing everything down, blah, blah, blah. So that's not to say it's going to go away entirely, but we might rethink it. So um, before we make a motion, was there anything else we wanted to do about the five-year plan? Are there any of the projects that you're seeing that are kind of weird, want to switch them around? I don't personally, but I'm going to leave the door open for you. But the Barker 23rd to Leonard, it's weird to me, you know? Yeah. That one just feels like what, you know, what cyclist is coming down 23rd that's going to jump on that? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so I, I don't get that one. Are there any other $100,000 projects? <laughs> or could we divert some of that to the pedestrian side instead? I mean, it's it's five years out. I mean, yeah. on the other hand, I mean, this is one of those things, like, things may change significantly in the next year even. Mm -hmm. Do we want to just leave it and say, like, all right, let's revisit this? I think I'm, I'm pretty comfortable letting that one just Simmer. Be, there, be there for now. Yeah. yeah. I think it's different from the Bike Boulevard one because it does feel like we haven't, we haven't settled with if bike boulevards are really the thing we want. Yeah. So that backing off the bike boulevard and just saying we need to think about a improvements for the bikeway on 13th, that yeah. feels... Because it's still justifiable. It is in the bike plan. So, I mean, yeah. there's still something to point at and say, look, we've talked about this before. I guess is the... Okay. <clears throat> does the bike plan um, have Barker at Lennard <laughs> as part of the primary, <laughs> primary bike network? Have I've got a I've got a pulled up. Yeah, yeah. Future it's bike way secondary. Huh. Yeah, I'm gonna guess you guys had to find a hundred thousand dollar project to put there. <laughs> I feel like pedestrian projects are much more likely to be in that range, right? Like the hundred thousand dollar range. I mean, it gets people over to the loop from that neighborhood. That's true. Which I love. So mm -hmm. I, I would say that if you're waffling over that project, I would it and consider that as contingency in in the grand scheme of the cash flow because it's such a small amount yeah uh phil if you have something quick for a minute um i know i've been trying to get from 21st street in vermont to the burroughs creek trail and you get stuck that bark i just realized barker to lernard means you cut down to 23rd street and there isn't a way to get I don't know if there's a sidewalk there or not, but it's a, it would be a rugged sidewalk if it is. And so that one little block gets you, otherwise you got to backtrack to 19th Street and pick your way and find your way to uh, Burroughs Creek. So that would be the advantage of that one little, one block long sidewalk. Thank you. Okay. And it's a shared use path, so it's not like you're going to be riding on 23rd. Right, so it's like even though it's on 23rd. Mm -hmm. I think we leave it in for now. That, yeah. that, that, that sounds good to me. Especially because who, who knows what will happen in the future. So, um, Are we ready for a motion, you think? Or is there any other changes that we want to make? I'm just running the meetings. I don't make the motions. <laughs> I think you, you can. <laughs> what right. was your? Fine. 
I you would had motion. The, you had the wordsmithing for the. I think it should be fairly simple. A motion that we approve the oh, wrong agenda here. Recommend. I recommend that we approve the 24 to 28 five-year plan for non-motorized projects as is, with the revision to the name of the 13th Street Bike Boulevard to be more generic, like everything else on the list. Seconded. <laughs> I expected you to be more specific than that. But <laughs> that seemed pretty specific. Um, all in favor, raise your hands. Second to see you. All right, that's unanimous. That was the first by Kuzmiak, second by Carter. Okay. Thank you, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Thanks. Um, all right. Are we all good? Do we want to press through? Because I don't know how long this next one's going to be, or do we want to have a quick five-minute break? What's the commission think? Break who sounds good to me. All right. If we can make it back here by 735, I think we can still be out by 830 at the latest. So. <laughs> Was this the other comment you were referring to? Oh, man, I forgot my wall. Yeah. Steve. Thanks. On agenda item D2, which is consider providing recommendation for the crossing improvement project, <clears throat> which is the culmination of a lot of work over the last year, right? All right. There you go. Yep. Um, so, um, as you remember, um, back in March, um, we um, got approval on the bicycle and pedestrian design guidelines. Um, and with that work, we had a consultant um, look at recommendations for um, uh, mainly uh, the, the scope of that was to, to look at uh, crossing improvements. Um, so uh, after completing that, uh, staff has kind of looked through um, our network, and I would say uh, to start with, um, right now, uh, just a little background, we have 678 marked crosswalks in the city, um, and with a total asset cost of $1.225 million. Um, we have 10 uh, on-street green bicycle crossings. Those are on Mass Street and on 21st Street with the bike boulevard that was done. And, and, and at 21st and Mass when that uh, intersection was improved. Uh, and six, we have six green bike boxes with an uh, asset cost of $44,000. Um, so uh, we have $337,000 in dedicated funding to do new um, pavement markings to improve safety for bicycle crossings and uh, pedestrian crossings. Um, and so what we've done, uh, our GIS staff has done um, over the last couple of months since we approved the criteria is looked at uh, the entire system-wide network um, for marked crosswalks um, at controlled intersections. So that would be a stop controlled or a signal controlled, arterial or arterial streets, arterial collectors uh, or collector collectors. and um, at mid-block crossings uh, or safe routes to school. So right now under our school area traffic control policy, uh, we have pavement uh, markings for crosswalks uh, adjacent to schools. Um, and then for the bicycle crossing network, um, I included in the memo this table, which came um, out of the design guidelines, which gave some recommendations for um, the marking 
type based off of the street classification. So for instance, an arterial, arterial intersection uh, would have green pavement markings. Um, same for arterial collector on down the line, uh, major driveways, minor driveways, local streets, over 40 feet and local streets under 40 street, 40 feet. Um, so collector, collectors, we start to see some chevrons in here um, and uh, local, if there was a bike facility on a local street that crossed an arterial, it would be green pavement marking, uh, dashes for crossing a collector street and none for these other classifications. So based off of that uh, criteria, we looked at the, the, the whole network. Um, I'll start by uh, discussing the bicycle crossing. So um, we have, uh, right now we have bicycle facilities on 15th Street, 19th Street, Bob Billings, Parkway, Wakarusa, Castle, Lawrence Avenue, North Iowa, O'Connell, and Princeton. So those are streets that we have on-street uh, bike lanes. Um, and um, so um, I'll get down to the um, some of the math, but what we've done is uh, attached to the agenda below, there's a location map of all of these, all of the locations uh, in the network. And um, overall, we've put a high-level cost estimate to marking them all. Um, which I have a, uh, a spreadsheet or an attachment uh, from a spreadsheet um, that's attached to the memo as well. But so um, we have 15th Street, 9th Street, and Congressional are um, all scheduled for maintenance in the next three years. So those uh, streets we would not recommend um, marking at this time because we would do those with the street the street project but if we were to mark all of the other crossings we have an estimated cost of about two hundred seventy three thousand um, dollars so for um, some examples here um, some crossings starting with uh, arterial arterial street crossings I don't know why that won't go we'll just scroll down <clears throat> so here is uh, Wakarusa running north-south that crosses Bob Billings Parkway where we have bike lanes both sides of the intersection so this uh, you know going through the criteria would meet um, uh, the criteria to market with green pavement marking Um, here's uh, Bob Billings that crosses Research Park Drive, which is just west of Wakarusa, but this is an arterial street that crosses a collector street, so that too is a situation where you have green pavement markings. And then to stick with the kind of the same area with examples, um, here's some crossings on Wakarusa. Uh, drive that cross uh, driveways or uh, local streets that would be marked with chevrons. And we have an example. I think it's, I may have gone too far. We have one 
Um, example on Walker Crusoe where it crosses a major driveway, which would be green pavement marking. And I thought it was right in here. Oh, there it is. So this is um, the commercial development on the southeast corner of Wakarusa in Bob Billings. Uh, so high traffic generating uh, driveway entrance, uh, wide driveway. So that would be one that we would recommend uh, the green pavement marking on. So those are a couple of examples. Um, and through here, there's a map of all of the locations on each street. So um, didn't intend to go through all of them. There's uh, over 100 for crossings for uh, bicycle crossings and for uh, marked crosswalks. Um, but that's uh, some examples of the crossings for the bike network. So again, if we were to uh, mark uh, all of those, uh, except for those streets that we intend to do maintenance on, which we, we would then mark them, uh, we had a cost of $273,000. Um, any questions on the bicycle network before I move on to the crosswalks? Just one. So there's one that there's proposed chevrons on the north side, westbound of Princeton, where it tees into Lawrence. There doesn't appear to be anything that would need to be marked there. Um, it's page 103 in the agenda, if that helps. Oh, we have different ones. 103 out of 202, so I don't know what it is out of this one. Um, I can give you the intersection number. It's I-1159. Yeah, I, I'll scroll through there and see if I can come up with okay. it. But they're not... Probably towards exactly organized. Organized. <laughs> like, it seemed like a number. Lawrence Avenue in Princeton. Yeah. What was the What was the your question? Um, so, so on the south side of Princeton, that that, that makes a lot of sense because the road is meeting another road. But the north side, it's just a straight through thing. Like right here, no car should ever be crossing that. Well, they are going to be turning into that. <clears throat> But it's a bike lane. They shouldn't be turning into the bike lane. Like no car should ever be crossing that line unless they're really screwing up. They they park on they park on the other side There's of it. Parking, yeah. yeah. But parking isn't one of the thresholds that the consultant recommended on the table, right? It, it was like roads, driveways, pretty much it. I mean, I'm not saying I hate it. It's always cool to see Chevrons, right? But it just seems like, do we really need it there necessarily? Yeah. I mean, sure, it'll, it'll probably say like $500, right? But it's just. It was the only one that stuck out to me as kind of odd. <clears throat> I, would, I would say there's, um, I know this for the crosswalks and maybe for the bike lanes too. If it was, there's some intersections where it's a collector on one side and a local on the other. If it was that situation, we would automatically uh, treat the whole intersection as a collector, collector. Okay. So, but th this is probably a, that's the algorithm. Unique situation where you may or may not want it, but based off of the inputs that we inputted into the system, that's that uh, makes sense. That's there, so that could. And I could see it being helpful, like someone taking a left yeah. on Princeton. Like, well, too far, too far. To know, <laughs> yeah, where the mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. It's a, it's a little disorienting on that road because you're not familiar with parking mm. uh, along the curb and then a bike lane. On the other, on you know, on the street side of the, yeah. 
I mean, it's actually really well designed. So when you're there, you really enjoy it if you're on your bike. Yeah, it's not bad. But um, and they and it just got repainted. So on well on Lawrence Avenue, and so it was still pretty good. But those symbols that we're talking about at that intersection for the Chevron is and they're they're colored green. But is it is it what do those look like? Is that are they green chevrons or they're white? They're white. Okay. Yeah. As, yeah, that's what as far it is. as the, the yeah, and it wouldn't obviously it wouldn't look like these little squares. It's just right. a legend. But yeah, it's kind of like these. The, actually, kind of like these pink lines. So it'd be two white uh, triangles, and it's <laughs> and you have the dash line that through the intersection that designates the bike lane. So yeah. you have the basically the bike lane extended through the intersection with a dash line or a skip, and then. Uh, the shivers are like white arrows without the tail, I guess. Okay, thanks. Okay. Any other questions about the bike stuff, or do you want to move on to the pedestrian crosswalks, I guess? Sure. And then we got shared use paths after that, right? Sort of. So, um, so for the uh, sidewalk crosswalks, um, we had. 48 crossings um, that are unmarked that would meet the criteria. One example is 9th in Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've talked about that before. It's always good to, you know, please the crowd. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But we, these are a lot of locations where I mean that's an example. It's a it's a stop controlled collector collector unmarked. I think it had been marked before, and there was, I don't, you know, why it wasn't marked. It, it wasn't, but it, so that would be marked um, in the plan. And there's uh, a lot of other streets. I, I don't know if I have any other really good examples. Here's uh, 15th and Connecticut. So we have one leg that's not marked uh, where there's a crosswalk. The other two legs are marked, I believe, because of the school. Um, this is. Is that still showing up? Yeah. So you got two other legs marked. I think that's because of the, uh, the school. So we would mark uh, that leg. Um, so going through, there's the ninth in Connecticut. Um, here's a collector, collector, and this leg's a local, but we would mark, you know, based on the criteria, we would mark that leg. Um, so looking at these, uh, uh, what we would intend to do is. Um, mark all of the bike crossings first, um, and then um, mark as many of the sidewalk crossings as we can, given the budget. Um, we still need to have not looked at all of the crossings in relation to the street maintenance plan for the next couple of years. So there's may, uh, some of these may be done with the street maintenance plan, so we wouldn't want to go out and do them now. But we would mark all the crossings that we can with the remaining budget. So if we have $337,000 and we mark 273000 say that's the cost for the bicycle crossings, we'd have like 60-some thousand for the sidewalk crossings. So we would complete those based off of uh, you know, criteria that's similar to our uh, bike ped uh, plan, the network. And so prioritize the higher volume, higher classification streets to mark those first and then go down the line and then um, 
ultimately as we get more funding and we do maintenance projects we will catch up to uh, meet our standards and get them all all marked so um, I did uh, attached to this I, I have a uh, cost estimates pretty high level ballpark um, just depending on um, uh, some of the details on like we haven't done any any in-depth details on like how many uh, how much the cost would be uh, down to the penny I guess but it's just like a high-level ballpark cost so um, the other thing that I thought would be important to talk about is shared use path crossings um, so these are uh, primarily these like side path crossings of local streets where we have shared use paths um, obviously shared use paths that cross arterials and collectors at signalized intersections are are already marked but we have a lot of shared use path crossings of local streets if you're thinking about uh, for instance uh, along castle there's a shared use path and sixth street that crosses a lot of local streets and driveways um, so based off of our criteria if we were looking at marking those we would um, mark those with standard markings the instead of using the continental blocks we would use the parallel lines uh, those are a lot more cost effective uh, to mark so you could uh, obviously get more bang for your buck with those so here you get 49 at a cost of $38,000 versus it's probably about a third of the cost of, of the continentals um, so that's also an an option as well just that I think that would be the third priority based off of these three buckets um, I know I think a lot of the discussion in the past is prioritizing the bicycle crossing so I think we would want to do that first and then hit all of the sidewalk crosswalks that we could next um, so that's kind of a high level what we were recommending um, so we have three hundred thirty-seven thousand uh, dollars in the budget to do this project. I'm hoping we could maybe do uh, put this together in-house and save some money, and that all this could go to construction. So we're gonna have to see our workload and um, if we can do that. But that's uh, kind of what we're recommending to do. Um, so the rec staff recommendation in the memo is to complete all the bicycle crossings and then use the remaining budget to complete the sidewalk crosswalks prioritized in line with the criteria and then non-motorized project prioritization policy so with that I'd yeah uh, open up to any questions in general or any specifics on any of these maps that we provided any questions from the group just make sure I understand the short the shortfall is about seventy five thousand to do <coughs> everything cost for the on street we were, yeah if we were marking all of the shared use path crossings of the locals yeah that doesn't seem like a lot of money I guess I'm <coughs> curious your plan to finish the work would it be to fund this in another year or um, 
Yeah, or um, do it when we're doing other adjacent projects, maintenance projects. But that, you know, the funding that we have a long time. We have very, I'm telling, we have very limited funding in our operating budget for maintenance. Okay. And I don't have the dollar amount. I think I had it last month ready, but I um, that we're to maintain existing markings has has been a challenge. So we're working on um, increasing the operating budget for maintaining existing markings. So. I would not recommend that we use that money to start marking new locations. Um, mm. But um, yeah, we would get as much done as we could with the money that we have and then look for other funding going forward. And have. And I think this is gonna be a good guideline just in the future when we get requests, whether it's part of a project uh, or not, and we don't even, you know, if we don't even know about it or something changes and it's not marked, we just simply reference this and find a way to get it done. So, um, is there any possibility of taking some of the uh, funds from the neighborhood traffic management program or the non priority or non motorized prioritization? thing we just did to find the <coughs> remaining funds to finish this? I mean, it feels like you're almost getting it all the way done, but none of the, none of the shared use paths get crossings that should have them. Um, and some of the sidewalks don't get crossings. Yeah, well, and, and I would say I don't, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that we could have a discussion about. Um, using, I mean, we'd have to, Cut back something else on the if it was a non-motorized project from that list. Um, some of the shared use paths, you know, I don't. It would be great to mark the shared use paths. I think it's definitely a lower priority. There's probably some that are more. You know, the site distance isn't great. That would be mm -hmm. something that we may want to look at a little more versus just marking them all because a lot of them you have good side distance and I don't know if the marking is going to help a whole lot um, but I just wanted to provide that as a kind of a reference because we looked at all the ones that were not marked and that's what it would cost so um, I guess what I'm thinking is that when this budget item was approved by the Commission a few years ago I believe it was a resident request and it was for the green markings and then we went through a process to clarify you know where is that appropriate and I think the sentiment was to cr to mark shared use paths but the um, guidelines we adopted essentially took those are not intended to be green but it felt like the sentiment was still shared use paths need to be better marked because people a lot of people are using them, whether they're walking or biking. So I wonder if that's a higher priority than the sidewalk crossings. And if we were to say, you know, yes, high priority is the bike crossings, and those will be the ones that get the, you know, green light, green lanes and chevrons. And then next would be shared use paths, which we we know we could get all of those done. Then you're left with Instead of a, you know, you wouldn't have 
you'd only have basically 25,000 left to cover the sidewalks, so you're left 75,000 short to finish the rest of the sidewalk crossings. Like, and you've got a scheme for prioritizing the sidewalks using the non-motorized um, projects prioritization policy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the shared use path crossing seems to get it gets lost with the non-motorized uh, <clears throat> projects prioritization policy. I think one of the things that's confusing to me, at least, is that if we're if we're not counting shared use paths as bike paths, then I assume we're counting them as sidewalks, then, right? So I don't, I'm not super clear on how the sidewalk crossing threshold is. It seems like in the recommendations, it's basically like put a continental crosswalk in all these places. Um, zebra is indicated in the legend, but I don't even see that in the guidelines. So what's the deal with zebra crossings, for example, or like are raised crossings going anywhere? Or, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we're not putting in any zebra crossings. That may have just been a legend that was on the GIS okay. network. Um, yeah, there's a whole lot of these kind of copy and pasted graphs in the design guidelines that say, like, all right, for total vehicles of hour, and here's how big the road is and how many people are there, here's what you should probably put, you know, all the way from, like, do a hawk signal to who cares, just let it be. And it, it seems like we're just kind of a, a, applying a single technology everywhere technology is a very strong word here but yeah um, were there any places that based on whatever algorithm you input would have merited something more intense than a or are we just covering like the very lowest hanging fruits that this like is, just have nothing yeah this is the lowest hanging fruit these are controlled intersections that are unmarked so there's uh could be many uncontrolled intersections that meet the criteria for marking and other improvements. There's probably uh, controlled intersections that do also, right? You know, we look at, as we've added these uh, rectangular rapid flashing beacons mid-block yeah. and hawk signals, and those come with markings and other improvements. Um, so those uh, need to take a higher level look at uh, speeds, volumes, street widths, etc. Okay. So Charlie, then, getting back to what you were saying about how, how do we deal with the remainder of the stuff that needs to get built, at least per this particular agenda item, it sounds like even beyond what we're seeing here, that could be left on the table. There's also the things that aren't up to the standard now set in this guideline that we've now adopted that would probably need to be a little bit more intensive across than they currently are, even if they are controlled, right? Like maybe they're continental and they need to be raised or, you know, maybe they're raised, but they need to be hawk. So... I wonder then if, if if it might make sense going forward with the non-motorized project PPP. Um, if at some point maybe there needs to be an, an intersection line, right, or a crossing line. I think at one point there was actually, very briefly, right. Well, there's crossings that are included in the uh, yeah. pedestrian projects. Okay. Yeah, I and think so we the, added that. As we identify those, uh, we've identified some, and then as we get uh, public comments or feedback or or uh, requests for looking at those we can add those to the non-motorized project list and for and then follow the the higher level matrix i guess i'd say for the enhanced improvements for different type of signals or okay. curb bump outs etc so would that then be maybe a viable route to kind of tackling all of the rest of the low-hanging fruit that we can't with the available funds Possibly even package it as a single line, like yeah. a lot of paint. 
and then all the fancier ones can maybe be their own project. That's my inclination is whatever's left over, add it as a project on the pedestrian project list and then we, at least it's not lost. And then. Yeah, it's something we could certainly do after we bid the project, see what we can do and then. Clarify that exactly what you're. So it's kind of like how to, the budget that's, that's, that we have for this is inadequate. The total cost um, that's been demonstrated in the memo is 411,840, <clears throat> but the budget is 337,360. So we're short by 74,480. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of where I was starting with. What is a plan we could have to, to get to the, finish this up? And you know, it's clearly, clearly not a CIP project. Doesn't hit the hundred thousand, and it doesn't seem like CIP kind of stuff. Does it fall under street maintenance, and then it gets done over the many, many years? You know, when yeah. those streets get taken care of. And the other thing we have is the um, non-motorized projects prioritization policy, which we just finished, kind of reviewing the five years for that. So it'd be going back to that list and saying does it it to me it fits underneath i'd say at least the sidewalk crossings would be under the pedestrian project list so how does it get situated there so that you know next year we're thinking about the five-year plan maybe we can say seventy-five thousand to get this thing done or does it exist somewhere else well probably not and the city's capital improvement you said, you said it's not like there's nothing in the operations fund that's going to give you 75,000 for maintenance of this sort of thing. So I'm not, I'm just thinking in our purview, we've, we have a thing and we've always, we've massaged that year to year. So yeah. is this, at least as a placeholder, so we know there's unfinished work, can we put it there? Mm -hmm. Is this? Okay. Yeah, because, you know, since we've really gone to a large extent of using shared use paths instead of bike lanes, protected bike mm -hmm. lanes, you know, I, from the beginning, the discussion for me has been improving that safety of crossings for shared youth paths. Yes. And, you know, I hate to see <laughs> those be left to the to the end of the exactly. line and not. Um, you know, so if there's some way to reorganize that, so at least the you know the higher volume um, intersections or intersections of the shared use path get get some treatment and I you know, like the idea in terms of moving up that priority to capture that additional $75,000 to complete that as soon, soon as possible. You know, so if that's after the first of the year or if it's the next year's budget. But. So here's another idea, just kind of maybe muddying the waters a little bit. A lot of these bike lane crossings are on bike lanes that are gnarly, like Wakarusa, Bob Billings, like kind of wild bike lanes that I feel like in general we're, we keep thinking we're gonna maybe get away from striped bike lanes, especially on 45 mile an hour roads. Um, I, do we think that the green marking at an intersection or like a crossing on a, a Wakarusa, for example, is going to be a marginal enough safety improvement that it will be worthwhile? Or is it such a ridiculously dangerous design that it doesn't really matter and our money would be better spent on some place people actually do ride their bikes like a shared use path? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, mean, I ride those. Yeah, I wouldn't go with. Where I, the, where I feel the most danger. I'm usually okay with 
with the paint of it when the when the lane goes away or or, right. or the you know it's not yeah. marked anymore cars don't know what to what well, to see, expect if you had some signage to go along with it to you know to explain to the driver as they're going maybe it would help um yeah and that's a good point this is going to be new like yeah. we've had a few you know applications of the green paint but Mm -hmm. Not community-wide, so the public education about what these mean is pretty important. I, I'm inclined because the city commission approved this budget item specifically around green pavement markings, and I think the sentiment was improving crossings used by people on bikes. That here's here's the you know the prioritization is around crossings for bicycle people on bikes. So the sidewalk crossings are not what they've funded. The shared use, use path crossings feel consistent with that sentiment because they're used by both. And then obviously the on-street bike crossings are the most consistent with their intention. So that would be my way of kind of rationalizing, reordering the prioritization is on-street bike crossings, shared use paths, and then sidewalk crossings. And then we've, you know, now we've learned there's a gap in sidewalk crossing, uh, <clears throat> sidewalk crossings that we need to figure out some other strategy to fund that all the way. I mean, I... I'll go with that. I was going to say, that you're, the point you bring up, Commissioner Kuzmiak, about, like, Wakarusa and Bob Billings, like, I never see cyclists on those... Those bike lanes out there. <laughs> I do all the time. I, I mean, yeah, up Wakarusa. Yeah, that's like our Lance Armstrong. Absolutely. Here, so I know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do it anymore. I uh, yeah. was a college kid, but not anymore. Yeah, well, I guess I'll, I'll honk at you the next time. <laughs> going to daycare out there, but I'm not riding. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't ever see many cyclists, but you two are. Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's the thing we've had discussions about, you know, um, crossing guards, you know, where you don't see any kids crossing when there aren't any crossing guards, and that's for a reason because it's not safe, you know. So it's kind of the same discussion in a way, you know, is that make make that safer, and you may see more cyclists. But but your point's well taken. That you know that that's kind of probably more limited in terms of certainly not, you know, kids, little kids, and that, you know, but that's but that that's why I say the shared use pass because that's how we've gotten, yeah. you know, that's how we accommodate families and you know more diverse riders, and so to leave out those crossings on the shared use pass, move that to the bottom of the list, that yeah. that doesn't make as much sense. To me. I agree with that. Um, I just realized before we get too far, we should do public comment. I feel like we're heading very quickly towards the motion, so before we get there, let's make sure that we incorporate any public comment first. <laughs> Anybody in the room? Michael, this is your project. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you don't want to, it's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, back up to us then. Um, all right. So it's sounding like the general sentiment is that we want to prioritize on street bike crossings per the new design guidelines. Then do... Was it parallel crossings or continental for shared use paths? The parallel lines, the shared use path crossings of local streets. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then the least priority would be the rest of the sidewalk crossings. And we don't know how to prioritize within that necessarily. Well, we uh, They would use the uh, 
non-motorized project prioritization policy. Yeah. I mean, like, 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 if we happen to have any in the in this budget that we're talking about, how would we prioritize which ones are in and which ones are out, or do we just move every pedestrian crossing into the non-motorized plan? No, I think we would mark as many as we could with the remaining funds. Okay. Hopefully, there's funds remaining after we mark the shared use pass. I think there would be some, and we'd mark the highest priority based off of the network and the volumes. Okay. Because you got, I mean, you guys have that heat map of like where people mm -hmm. can go. Okay. So mm -hmm. as long as there's kind of a justifiable method in place, there's not a ton of shared use path crossings. I mean, compared to the bike crossings, there's like 10. That's not, that's not a lot. So, and if, like you're saying, with the parallel crossings, it doesn't cost nearly as much as a Continental or a Zebra or Chevron's yeah. whatever. So here's hoping that we get still most of the pedestrian crossings. Anybody want, want to make a motion? <clears throat> So I move that we recommend completing. Oh, oh you have a public comment. Public comment. Yeah, we were going called to. for it. Oh, we, didn't think we, we called for it, and no one. I, I misunderstood. I couldn't. Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Would you like to come up? <laughs> you can. Yeah, if I could. Yeah, just in the nick of time. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. I misunderstood. That's okay. I did also. I was very surprised that you weren't coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Blame it on my hearing aid. It's okay. Uh, Michael Allman. Um, thank you, Mr. Cronin, for identifying all these various uh, potential sites for both you know, pedestrian and bicycle crossings. Um, there are, well, just um, a, a couple points I'd like to make about particularly the, bike, the bicycle crossings. Um, the um, the criteria that you're using that that raise certain intersections to uh, a threshold to identify certain kinds of applications. Um, it's it's important in general, of course, as we know that these are the areas where the most um, fatalities and injuries happen from turning vehicles um, and a lot of that has to do with visibility the visibility of the of the, the crossing you know what to anticipate what a motorist might anticipate um, with the criteria for that threshold for bicycle crossings um, yes it's important for like a, a one-off situation like East 23rd Street and, and O'Connell, where it calls for green pavement markings for the, the bicycle crossings. Whereas I think it's a different concern for where we have a corridor of a series of intersections, such as Wakarusa. You know, it's an entire corridor of bicycle lanes that at one point it's a green pavement marking, another point it's a chevron, and then it goes to a green pavement. I think it's important for a corridor for the identity, the visibility, for the motorists that we have consistency as well beyond just that threshold so that a motorist traveling through that corridor, they can see this consistent bicycle lane and green pavement and not go back and forth. I'd just like you to consider that as, as a different way to look at you know, where we make this application. Um, 
As far as East 23rd Street goes, you know, there's a gap that uh, Commissioner Bryan pointed out, uh, 400 some thousand, and we have 337,000. Uh, there's a $15 million project for, you know, redoing East, thir East 23rd Street right now. Do we need to put this money to that project when they already have $15 million? That corridor should already have the pedestrian crossings and the green pavement crossings incorporated there. Um, now, granted that the bikeways along 23rd Street are shared use path, uh, paths, so those will be white. We don't need to rehash that discussion, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know, like at O'Connell Road where the green pavement is called for, that should be in, paid for by that project. We shouldn't have to dedicate this money for that project itself, I would think. So that's all I really need to say, and I appreciate you know, giving me uh, additional time here. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Any other public comments? Nowhere online. Doesn't appear to be. No latecomers. Okay. Do we want to amend anything before going, going with the motion? I feel like there's merit to the idea of consistency, personally, but I also think that there's merit to the opposite side, which is inconsistency and unpredictability. Um, the more I've read up about kind of the fairly recent history of traffic engineering is that the more confused and unsafe motorists <laughs> feel, the safer they tend to drive, which is why in some places the Dutch have just straight up removed signs. You know, like, figure it out. Gotta, guess you gotta slow down, you know? <laughs> guess you can't speed through here because that would be ridiculous. So it's extremely bold and I, I'm not sure it would work here because people aren't looking at signs anyway, they're just looking at their phone. So it's, um, I think that there are, um, there's probably merits to both sides, but. Um, the issue of 23rd Street is interesting though because I, I would be very surprised if it's perfectly on budget and has a whole contingency left ready to go. Dustin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but projects very rarely come in under budget anywhere. We we actually do have a little bit left. I have some on that. Yeah. So we can look at we can look at what's not being marked on that and see if we can change order it into the project. Okay. It would probably just be. Are there shared use paths going in? Is that right on the south side? Both sides. Both sides. Okay. We gotta drive that like twice a week. I just can't see past the construction vehicles. I guess. Okay. So probably more parallel crossings essentially along those shared use paths then. Yes. Because we'll look at the crossings that are not marked. Yeah, in relation to this and see if we can add those to the project. Okay. Cool. That would bring some cost savings on this? Mm. No, because they're not included. No. Oh. And we're identified. Yeah, because they're, I think this, the, the mm. GIS network ha doesn't have 23rd Street as a built, right. as built shared use path yet. Mm -hmm. So what we're looking at on the screen here? What is that? Are there? <laughs> is that? Yeah. It, it was in there. Huh? 23rd. Oh, it's in there. I apologize. But they're, it is yeah, in, they're listed as yeah. not marked. The, the basically right the minor streets oh. like Silicon and Ponderosa. Mm. So, so they are included. All right. So there's a possibility of some savings by using street project funds. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It would be easier for us to do it with the project than yeah. to come back and do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the painters so out there. That would free up whatever number of crossings are in there. 
if all the numbers are my numbers are good. So in that case, I'm assuming we probably will need to see it again because it sounds kind of automated from here on out, right? Like you're going to prioritize based on the heat maps. You'll rearrange the budget based on what you can get out of 23rd Street. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I'll, I'm ready to make a motion if you want. <clears throat> so I move that we recommend the crossing improvement project, prioritizing the on-street bicycle crossings first, and then the shared use path crossing second and use any remaining budget for completing the sidewalk crossings in line with the criteria in the non-motorized project prioritization policy. I'll second it. Okay. We've got a first by Commissioner Bryan, second by Commissioner Aidlot. Um, all in favor, raise your hand. Aye. Aye. All right, it's unanimous. I know it's not really how Robert's Rules works, but I feel like if everybody's saying I at the same time, it's just confusing, so. All right, that is the end of our regular agenda. Now we're on to the weird stuff. Let's see what's next. Um, staff items. This is about the NTMP kind of re recap debriefing, right? Yep. So we, yeah, I wanted to, to let everyone know what we heard at the study session last month on revisions to the neighborhood traffic management program. And the, the, the big theme I got was, you know, the neighborhoods, we need to make the application process easier, less demanding for the neighborhoods. And so we'll um, do that by providing some support during the process, during the application process, and, and providing resources for the neighborhoods as they're going through the application process. So we'll keep working on these revisions and uh, intending to bring it back for another study session to kind of finalize the revision to the policy and then bring the policy back for approval with the goal of get, getting the policy approved in time to uh, have the next application open in early 24. Okay. Um, one of the things I wanted to check on, I think most of what we talked about was in here. So being able to access more data, knowing what traffic devices are available, so traffic calming 101, simplified application process. I think we had maybe talked about doing a pre-application of some sort, like like an expression of interest at least. Kind of yeah, like some I, and I, th I think I kind of put them in a in an awkward order there, or that okay. that one shows up later. Oh, okay. having the yeah, kind of the statement of interest, and then at that point is when we would staff would collaborate with providing data and helping scope the project. Okay, there was also talk about funding issues in terms of communicating with people's neighbors and um, like requests for information and stuff. Um, is that something that's even in your guys' court? How would we add a potential, I don't know, like like a need-based grant to help people fill out the application if it's too difficult to do so otherwise? Because mailing seems like one of the financial barriers to actually getting it done. <coughs> Could we include that in the NTMP budget? Like it's just a thousand bucks every year for a neighborhood who needs, <coughs> you know, a lot of mailers out. That's an early application process, so that's just sort of budgeting. Well, I think we want to make the application simple enough that we don't have to put budget to it. We need to send out mailers. Um, I don't know if we would want to do send out mailers before the applications because we'd be sending out mailers to all the neighborhoods, all the residents and all the neighborhoods, but we would take on the cost of any of the communication after we selected the project. Okay. 
I guess I was thinking. Neighborhood. I was thinking more of like pre-application. If there's a neighborhood, like anybody can just similar that if they happen to have that kind of funds within their group. But you know, for those who who maybe have a lot of people who aren't online but still need to get all the signatures, but. I mean, I guess in that case, that leaves the option of, like, going door-to-door, basically, which is doable. Um, I, I don't know. Um, like, maybe of the five neighborhoods that are interested each year, maybe four can handle it, maybe some have next door, and maybe there's one who just is not organized enough but really does need some kind of traffic management. I mean, would an extra $1,000 in the budget be a huge deal? It's like, what, 300000 every year? 100000 how much is the budget? It is two hundred thousand next year. Okay. So we wouldn't increase the budget by any. We would take anything out of it. So if that was just reallocate, right? Something that we want to think about as we continue this forward. Okay. It can be done. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see at least on the table. I don't think it has anything to do with the application process necessarily, other than just kind of there might be some sort of funding available. But you know, the next time that we talk about the budget, I might bring that up again. So. Okay. Okay. Any other questions for Dustin or others? I would say one thing that um, that's in Dustin's memo. I don't know if he mentioned, but we got the link in there to the crash report, so mm -hmm. you can go in there. It's up. It's a different layer than's on our MMTC map, which hadn't been updated for a little while. So this um, there's a couple links that one is to all crashes in the last 10 years and the other is to the uh, KDOT uh, crash layer length for fatalities and serious injuries. Yeah, and, and that one, you gotta scroll down quite a, quite a ways because that's kind of, it has a lot of background on the drive to zero, but then eventually you get to a map where you can filter and sort different layers of data. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long page. <laughs> yeah, I think this is great. Uh, mm -hmm. Exactly what the neighborhoods seem to be asking for. Yeah. I was wondering if these could be put on the transportation page where we have all the other links to things. It's a MMTC website has that link to the transportation page, which is where I go to. The yeah, I was intending to put them on the neighborhood traffic management page, but it, I, I think. Well, the neighborhood traffic management page is not. It's not linked on the transportation page for MMTC. <clears throat> so however you want to do it. Or both. Help, yeah. help us retrieve these resources when we need them. So I was also curious, the city traffic count map, uh, which is really valuable, it doesn't have counts for 15th Street. And that seemed surprising. Uh, like there's maybe one way down here, way way east, but 13th Street has a whole lot of traffic counts. I, <laughs> Is that, just getting our discussion earlier about yeah, where's the right spot for a bike boulevard or bike improvements? 19th Street is kind of <clears throat> has a few also, but 13th Street has a surprising number of traffic. Counts. I I think those are actually before counts um, before the uh, pilot bike boulevard. Ah, okay. Greenway. That explains it then. Yeah. These are the city counts. KDOT does uh, counts on streets every three years on arterials and collectors, and there may be other counts that are not on here that we have, but 
So we do, yeah, when we do, when we're doing counts for projects or traffic studies, this is, we're just add them to this map so we have that information. The 21st Street has count data from 2018. Is that, it was five years ago. That was the before okay. data. We also got counts in 2022 or 21. Those may not. I don't think those are on the map. Those may not be on there yet, but. When that gets added, does it uh, overwrite the older stuff or do you just see the whole it, history of them? It keeps everything. Okay. So, yeah, some of the dots will have, you know, maybe 10 or 15 different data points for nice. different times that counts were taken. Okay. Any other questions on NTMP application revisions? And any other staff items, I guess we'll run it. Okay. Let's move on to commission items then. First one is you. Climate stuff. Got some news, right? Yeah, so I was corresponding with Jamie Huffling about the county today, um, asking if they could have some it's probably going to be her. Uh, we just confirmed today she can visit us in November, we think, for uh, hopefully at that point they'll have something public, um, their first draft out, so that um, they can come to us and just kind of go through the goals, um, especially as related to mobility, and then just have a discussion at the study session for how, well, discuss the goals first off, and then how those goals might affect this commission's work moving forward. So, yeah, hopefully they get their draft out before November, and then we'll have that in November for the study session. Okay. Is the county sustainability office getting the, the draft out, or is it a consultant, or what? It's the county. Um, okay. The last piece they're waiting on is a consultant's piece that they're reviewing and vetting. So. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. I'll look forward to that in November, then. Okay, uh, looks like I'm a land development code steering committee. So most of it is the same as last time. Module one, draft one is still out. That would be zones and, I'm sorry, districts and uses. So, you know, where's the residential, where's the mixed use? Um, it's still on the city's or the consultant's website for our, our city's project. Um, if you're into, you know, land use code stuff, it's really interesting to read over and see what kind of changes have happened. There's a couple of things that like if you didn't know what you're looking at, which is all right, that's just legalese, but have some sort of profound implications in some cases. So for example, residential is gonna be allowed in almost all commercial across the city. There's not really gonna be any strict commercial anymore except for maybe downtown. It's all gonna be mixed use. So, or as the current draft says. Then another interesting one is that- um, Did you just say downtown? I think downtown is kind of still it? its own special thing. Like it's allowed to have mixed uses, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not quite as uh, like blanket zoning as it's going to be for all the other you know, strip centers, big box. will all be allowed to have some sort of residential on it. Okay. There's not really any exclusive commercial zoning anymore, which is interesting. Um, some of the industrial uses are kind of been eased up on. So, you know, th the definition of an industrial is pretty broad currently, but includes some stuff that definitely happens in neighborhoods right now that people don't really care about too much, like car, car mechanic shops, right? Like that happens in neighborhoods all the time and people don't seem to be coming with the pitchforks and torches. So some of those are gonna be eased up on quite a bit, um, like plumbing supply companies, right? Like who cares really? So 
a lot more uh, leniency and kind of openness on what can go where. We may have effectively eliminated exclusive single-family zoning. At this point, duplexes and ADUs are allowed everywhere. ADUs are not allowed in the most dense of residential zoning simply because of geometric considerations. It just doesn't really make sense. You know, you're already doing, doing apartment buildings. You probably don't need garage apartments, too. So that's an interesting one. We'll kind of see where that goes. Uh, and just a kind of interesting trivia thing. It appears that we may have re-legalized um, boarding houses, essentially, which is interesting. Because mm -hmm. that, that, that's kind of this, this interesting conversation on the nationwide scale um, that they've been sort of legislated out of existence. And we may have reintroduced them simply by putting a definition in the definition section of what congregate living is. So that's interesting. Uh, ADUs are going to be allowed in pretty much every residential district, but with the same restrictions as they currently have in terms of owner occupancy requirements, parking requirements, probably, height requirements, setback requirements, orientation, <coughs> square footage, like all sorts of stuff, making it probably still pretty hard to build them in most places, but at least on paper they're allowed. So we'll see where that goes. That's going to be a probably a contentious part of this, but something to look forward to, I guess, if you're into that. Uh, what else, what else, what else? So the next part is going to be part two, which is going to be things like parking standards, other development standards like landscaping, buffering, stuff like that. Parking is going to be what most people are going to focus on, but there will be other stuff as well. And we're also going to get a second draft of module one, incorporating all the comments that the steering committee and the public and everybody else and staff has kind of given. So um, a decent amount going on. There's also a meeting in a box available from that office over there, um, Riverfront where you basically can take a packet of paper and have a whole bunch of people, family members, neighborhood, church group, whatever, go through and kind of describe your neighborhood, why you like it, why you don't, and they give you some sort of a vocabulary to say what it is you like about it. So instead of just saying, I like the character, say, well, I like the transportation connections. I like that the houses are far apart. I like that everybody is different from each other, right? So I recently did that with um, people in my neighborhood, and it was, it was interesting. It took about an hour and a half for those who stayed the whole time, but I feel like it's fairly successful. Probably gathered 12 packets to, to return to the city. So if you have a group like that, and you guys want to geek out on land use, then or just talk about your neighborhood. That, that's really what it is. Then I would suggest grabbing some of those packets if you can. I think they have till maybe like another week or two until they're due. So what else? That's pretty much it for right now, so. For the parking, is there discussion of parking maximums? Maybe. It's, it's something that the consultant kind of very tentatively suggested. Um, just like density m minimums is something that they tentatively suggested. Um, so we'll see what happens when the draft actually comes out. But we'll see. And the public comment is on the, on the document is through November? Is that what you said? I, um, so, I can't remember. Uh, I don't know how late it's up, honestly. Probably until the second draft comes out, and then I'll mm. do it all over again. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's um, if you just Google like Lawrence zoning update, you'll probably get there. So, yeah. so yeah, that's what's going on. Um, oh, and I, I guess for for our purposes, other than things like uh, subdivision standards and parking, eventually the process is going to be the very last module, module three, and a lot of that is going to be more for developers. You know, like, do you have to have a neighborhood meeting? Who do you have to notify? Um, can it be administratively done? Is there a variance? Blah, blah, blah. But I think some may involve us in a way, depending on how we approach it. So currently, I don't know if, if anybody follows planning commission meetings, but there are often things that, that probably would directly involve us um, if there was a process to 
to get us involved. So, for example, there's plans currently going for a drive-through coffee shop on 19th and Mass, which is arguably one of the more potentially walkable intersections outside of downtown. A drive-through is maybe not appropriate for that, but it's not prohibited. Um, but that's only being discussed at the planning commission. It's never come in here, basically. So it's like, huh, are we maybe missing something in the process for, you know, thinking about how transportation and land use interact? So it's it's kind of stuff like that where if we're wanting to approach it with a more holistic viewpoint, the process itself may need to change. And granted, the zoning and the uses and you know design standards and all that may take care of a lot of things that may be concerning, but I think the process will be sort of the last chance to see like, do we need any additional input from the transportation side? So more things to stay tuned for. And that's it. Any questions? It's a, that's a lot of information, but it's a big project. Shall we move on to bicycle wayfinding? We've got sure. two folks on there. Yeah. Um, I'll start out and you can add whatever. We had the first uh, orientation meeting August 3rd, um, basically um, using an online, you know, overview of the project itself and, and the scope and, and then an online interactive um, kind of survey tool to get, you know, collecting information about kind of aesthetics, so, you know, kind of the look and feel of, of a system, you know, you know, different images of the city, whether it be the city of Lawrence um, logo or something, you know, downtown Lawrence, all of those kinds of things. So they collected some, some data from that from the people at the meeting. And then um, at the next meeting, there's another meeting that's coming up next next week. And my understanding, I mean, on their, on the, uh, their description says review signage family concepts up to five sign types but I think they were there's also supposed to be a discussion about uh, I mean they were collecting data on destinations and but were wanting feedback I think from the from the committee as well um, I think they were going to take what we discussed at the August 3rd mm -hmm. um, meeting and bring it back for you know refinement at the next meeting right next week so that yeah, that next meeting is the end of next week. I can't be there, but Hillary said she could be, so that be covered. Who else is on the steering committee? I'm not seeing a, a website for that, so I'm, I'm curious yeah, as to who else is a, kind of at the table. The representative from well, health department, I think, and then the Lawrence Bicycle Club, um, Chamber of Commerce. Chamber, yeah. Yes. Um, KU representative. Okay, probably Haskell. No. Is there anybody from Haskell? No, so. I don't think so. Yeah. Is anybody from? Well, that that came up just in terms of uh, Haskell as destination. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, one of the things I feel like could be a huge opportunity here if we can make it happen somehow is incorporating local artists somehow. Ideally, there's some some sort of clearinghouse like Van Gogh or the Art Center. It's just easier that mm -hmm. way. But mm -hmm. is there any talk of looping them in, kind of like how Transit did for the bus stops? I don't know how Transit Center did what they did, but yeah, I don't remember. I mean, other than just you know, kind of general um, concepts, you know, I don't think that you know didn't get down to that fine of a level. But okay. that would be a you know, in terms of making it unique to Lawrence, which yeah. that's kind of the direction they were you know talking about and the committee was talking about. So yeah. it wouldn't be a bad suggestion to see how that might be incorporated. Okay, I mean, I'm not really an artsy. Person. I just like things to look cool. So. <laughs> so if there's a way that you can make it happen, that'd be cool. All right. Okay. 
I'll take that back next week. <clears throat> Related to the wayfinding, in the CIP, it has under unfunded the 2024 wayfinding. So really? is that, can you mm. maybe give us some insight into what's happening there? Does that mean is this is just a plan, planning process, and then later we'll figure out? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe the full number of signs that we would need in the cost. Okay. So I think that was just a, a placeholder. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I see that now. Okay, cool. Uh, who's the next committee? <laughs> we have a lot of committees going on currently. It is Vision Zero. Is that happening yet? It hasn't met yet. So Still waiting on a consultant or funding or something? I just haven't heard anything. So. Okay. I think it's been mired in grant logistics or something so mm -hmm. okay yep. we got the agreement done i think and we're working on the rfq rfp for consultant so maybe a couple months vision zero yeah so working on getting the agreements executed get up in fhwa okay i didn't want to forget about the committee so i put it on here even though it hasn't met and i know number five we haven't Met with the steering committee yet? Right. The update there is that we're may, if we're really aggressive, may have the first meeting before the end of the month. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. Um, on the calendar. So, sounds like we have our study session for November. Hopefully, probably. Oh, sorry. Can I bring up some, one other thing? Sure. Do you know with the uh, committee consolidation, you know, review where that is right now? The last I saw, it was. I think it was approved, right? Was it? I didn't think. Oh. Um, I thought they submitted they, the final report. Yeah, the the committee that was making recommendations may have completed that, but it needs to go to the city commission. I mm -hmm. don't know if there's a date for that. Yeah, because it looked like the recommendation not. was to bring in aviation and public <laughs> transit. It was it was just transit and multimodal. I think oh, aviation was, was okay. for planning stuff, maybe. Okay. I don't know. That, that's a that's a strange one. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because <laughs> apparently we have an airport. So, um, it is. Uh, hmm. and I don't see it on the future agenda. It's in the board somewhere. So, is that I'm not sure timing wise? Bringing it up, you think we should consider? taking a position on it or? it's not that i think we should take a position on it it's just you know obviously it'll affect this this committee if if they if they do that and i don't know what kind of timeline that how it all gets sorted or how commissioners you know <laughs> tbd i guess right should be interesting yeah <laughs> i mean it's not going to be a 20 com 20 member Commission, so I don't know if we got to like hold tryouts or uh, what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to make the team? Just, so. I'll, I'll just share like when the bike ped task force issued their report, they did kind of call for consolidation of the bicycle advisory committee and the traffic safety commission to form essentially this. And that process worked, uh, Took a, it took a few months, but it was one of the first recommendations that uh, staff acted on. And anyone that was a member of those two previous bodies was free to apply to, uh, uh, for the multimodal, but there is, there isn't, it wasn't assumed that they would just be moved together. <laughs> it was literally, they're gone, here's a new commission that 
needs um, the mayor to make appointments to. So okay. <clears throat> I imagine it would be similar. You know, the existing bodies, PTAC and us, would be dissolved, <laughs> and the new commission or new advisory committee would be created, and then people would need to apply. So, so yeah, should be interesting. Okay. We'll see. In terms of uh, the calendar, we got our study session maybe planned out, and then it's really just the street maintenance plan for the regular meetings. So it sounds like there might be a couple of other things that might come back to us. Maybe the, uh, the revisions to the application process for the NTMP, if it's ready in time. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. If we, not for October. I think no. we're shooting for November. For right. That. Wait. Oh, yeah, it's not even November or December. I was looking at the wrong box. We, yeah, <laughs> if we move the... Right now, we had... Uh, had the land development code update for the study session in October. We had the climate action plan update uh, regular meeting, but we'll move that to November tentatively um, as the study session. And then okay. I don't know if we will have, we won't have anything else. We don't have anything else planned for the regular meeting in October. Mm, okay. I guess we can cross a bridge when we get to our agenda planning session see what's arisen. Yep. Okay. Um, for the land development code update, I, I think there's two ways we could approach it. We could either do a meeting in the box within the commission, or we could do just, I could just kind of go over the major sections and say, like, here's something interesting, here's something new, here's my personal opinion on this, here's where the public seems to be going. Which would you prefer? Because I think we only have time for one. What do you think would be more useful for the the body? It depends on how I guess zoning savvy you are. If if it's kind of like you know it's out there, but you're not you never really read a zoning code, we should probably stick to the meaning in the box. But if some of you are particularly wonky, then it might make more sense to do you know a little bit deeper dive into the draft. I'm curious about the meeting in the box, and that sounds like there's a deadline. Yeah. So this would be kind of after Yeah, it might be done, actually, by then. So <clears throat> I'll look into that. <laughs> that may not be an option after all, I guess. But if it's a way to, I mean, even if the deadline's passed, if it's just a way to engage in the facilitated dialogue, that seems useful. Yeah. Okay. Is there something that could come out of that where we could provide, uh, you know, as a corporate body, something like comment to the module? I don't know. If it's still open for comment, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think, we, you know, if there's like three big points where like, this is awesome, this is terrible, you totally mm -hmm. forgot this thing, mm -hmm. almost there, you know, we could do that. I don't know how hard this would be to do, but to, to really bring the transportation lens to it would be ideal, you know. Right, um, yeah. But it's probably written for, not for that. The transportation stuff is all, it's all what you don't see, but it's intricately <laughs> connected to it. So like, it's, yeah. it's there, it's just not written out explicitly yet. So, yeah. It's, you know, that intersection between transportation and land use is like, you know, mm -hmm. right there. All right. I think that's it for agenda items and calendar. So um, if we don't have anything else, we can be, be adjourned. Unless we need a motion. I always, need a motion? I always forget. <laughs> I move that we adjourn. I've been doing for years now. I always I forget if we need a motion or not. <laughs> I don't know. I, Every day, I just raise your hands if you, if you want out. All right, one out. Let's get out of here. Unlock, unlock the door. I'm, I'm hungry for dinner. <laughs>